Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 387. I am Peter and joining me on this Christmas edition mm-hmm. is Matt. Hey, uh, I would say I'm uh, jolly, but you know, uh, close, closer to jolly than I have been. It just occurred to me this would be going out publicly on Christmas yeah. Eve. So yeah. yes, Merry Christmas everyone. Yeah. Um, now I said last week Connor would probably be here this week and... I was correct in that he was free. He is free today. However, when I said, are you going to be on the show, he responded with, I've not read any books in a month and a half. There is no way I'll be ready. <laughs> so <laughs> He should have just come out for the vibes. Yeah, he should have just sat there and yeah. chimed in occasionally. But he's, it's yes. a Christmas miracle. Cotter's on here, but he's not talking. He's, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm not taking responsibility for his antics. I, yeah. I, I refuse. Anyway, as a DC Comics podcast, we're here today, we talk about uh, the books we read this week from DC. Coming up on this week's show, we have Titans Beast World Tour Central City, issue one. We have Superman issue nine, Wonder Woman issue four, Nightwing 109, Green Lantern War Journal issue four, Batman Superman World's Finest 22, Batman Offworld issue two, Jay Garrick the Flash issue three, Batman Santa Claus Silent Night issue three, and Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong issue three. So that is what's coming up on the show. Okay. They didn't bother giving us a quiet week for Christmas. They said no, no. you could have ten books and like it. And we're like, yes. okay, I guess I guess we will. One of them's gonna be oversized. One of them's gonna be a, a regular size, but it's Tom King, so it's gonna be wordy. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that was my last week. Had two. Well, I mean, all last week had twelve books for a start, but uh, yeah. two of them were black label books that were fifty plus pages. So, yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit better this week, but still pretty packed. Mm-hmm. So, hey, we got a lot to talk about, which is not necessarily mm-hmm. a bad thing. Um, no, but uh, it should be a little bit shorter than last time, is what I would say. So, just a teensy bit. But yeah, but we're here. We're, we're, yeah, we got. You know, we got some Christmas vibes, uh, annual episodes coming up soon where we'll talk about the best of the year stuff, and we'll we'll have that for you as, a, as an extra episode, so uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully you guys have fun with that, but uh, yeah, um, I guess, I mean, I should probably mention a DC movie came out this week. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost such a non-event now, because superhero movies are just so thick and fast, but... Uh, on top of that, this second Aquaman movie is just being farted out when the world it's connected to was already cancelled like over a year ago, mm-hmm. and it's just like, hey, th- oh, this was already made. Here it is. Feels like it? the last of the new Fifty Two books that still had to ship, but Rebirth had already started. Ah, yeah, it feels a little bit yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that. Oh. Yeah, it's opening weekend is only. Uh, I think being projected at 40 million but notably and this is important that's the four day weekend that's not the traditional three day weekend so that's including Monday for Christmas so that ain't great that's actually lower than the Marvels when that got its regular weekend uh, which was underperforming and um, it'll probably beat Blue Beetle but that's not saying a whole much so uh, honestly I think 2023 is the year that superhero movies Kinda died. Like not, yeah. not to say that they're going away or that we're not going to have more and mm-hmm. that there won't ever be another big success, but the fact that almost all of them, other than Guardians Three, bombed is mm-hmm. pretty notable. And I feel like Marvel and 
Warner's, but especially in Marvel, because they, they rely so heavily on their Marvel stuff. They've got to mm-hmm. be shaking in their boots. Yeah, just Disney as a whole, too, because even their last couple animated films didn't do particularly ah, well. Yeah, true. So, you know, just Ken Disney as a whole. And, and India um, didn't do well either. Mm-mm. Um, but yeah, I was trying to trying to think, like, what movies have been kind of surprising? It's been like Godzilla minus one, right? That that's been you know, to turn a phrase, the unstoppable monster this year. But that's the most like that movie's had the most buzz of any movie this year. You well, know, I'm trying I, to think. To be fair, Barbenheimer was a pretty big phenomenon. That's true too. That's true too, but... And they both made a that, lot of money. Like, Godzilla Minus yeah. One is doing good for a foreign film, yeah. but it's not, like, changing, you know, like... I just like that, like, I rushed out to see it because it was only going to be limited. Yes. Right? But then it keeps getting extended, which is really cool. Like, go the, see that movie in the theater. The Terrifier you know? 2 effect. Yes, sure. <laughs> just, uh, this one was, you know... Terrifier 2, much, much, uh, much more chaotic than Godzilla. That's for sure. Uh, and one has a gigantic monster trashing parts of Tokyo. Uh, one has a human si- a giant art the clown. <laughs> one has a human sized monster trashing a suburban <laughs> town. Yeah, uh, in Ohio, <laughs> right? That's where that movie takes place. I I have no idea where okay. that movie takes place. I could tell yeah. you. <laughs> right, right, but yeah, no, Barbenheimer. Yeah, I just but I remember everybody talking about that, and I just feel like movie buzz. At least the parts of the internet and my friend groups. It's kind of at an all-time low right now. Like, there's just not, you know, there's I'll, no buzz, no excitement to go to the movies. I'll disagree a bit. I think there was more buzz this year than there was the last couple. Uh, yeah? And maybe, admittedly, comparing it to pandemic years is a little bit of a, yeah. a, a cheat. <laughs> but, yeah. like, no, I, I feel like Barbenheimer, I think the, the animated Turtles movie got some buzz. Um, I, I feel like there was a reasonable amount of stuff. People seem to like Evil Dead Rise. Like, I think there was enough interesting stuff sprinkled throughout the year that I would say overall it's felt like a decent year for movies to me. Mm-hmm. Um, next year, funnily enough, uh, I have two hopes. One is that there's almost no superhero movies, and that's kind of refreshing. Um, which is not to say that the big studio stuff isn't all sequels and franchise shit, because it mostly mm-hmm. is. But... Uh, I just recorded a thing with Tim uh, for Patreon, mm-hmm. looking ahead to the horror movies that are coming next year. And there's a lot of interesting things sort of on the yeah. horizon. There's a new Oz Perkins movie coming out. There's a... Uh, they follow. There's the, yeah, there's the obvious big sequels and things. Mm-hmm. There's Robert Eggers' Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. There's... Yeah, uh, there's a Wolfman from Lee One l coming out. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah, know, there's a, there's a lot of interesting things coming next year. Yeah, which that took a hit. Not, I mean, I like Lee Winnell, but that was supposed to be costly, and he had to step out for whatever reason. He did, um, yeah. He's, he's no know, longer which, involved. Which bums me out, but I'm still going to go see a Wolfman movie. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I'm i feeling a little better than I was. I, 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 honestly, 2022, although, actually, horror had a very good year. 2022 mm-hmm. for horror was fantastic. But yeah. movies as a whole, like, as far as the big stuff goes, I remember just being bored and didn't, not giving a shit for anything all year. It, like, yeah. it was a really dour year for, for big tentpole stuff. This year was a bit better. And I think if they can at least keep it at this level, I'll be a bit happier. But mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. I mean, what other... We have Dune coming out next year, right? Or they got, get pushed? No, that's coming out. You got Dune Part yeah. 2. You got Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. You got Furiosa. Uh, you yeah. got Ghostbusters... 
uh, Frozen, Frozen Empire. Yeah. I can't remember the title of it there. Um, okay. Yeah, what else is next year? There's some other stuff, but yeah, yeah. Th- those are the ones that are springing to head. Oh, Godzilla Crush Kong is coming out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just yeah, stuff, you know. But yeah, it's just I don't know. And there's there's not a lot out right now too that I feel like going to see. Like Iron Claws out, but I don't know if I need to rush out. I could watch that at home. I mean, it's December to be know? fair. Like I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just glad that next year has almost no superhero movies. And I realize mm-hmm. that may sound weird on a comic book podcast, but here's the thing: my appetite for superhero comic books and superhero movies are very different right now. Yeah. Um. My fatigue with the movies has has no bearing on my reading of the comics. Yeah. But the thought of X, uh, you know, superhero movies coming. I um, there was a. I think you you responded to a tweet the other day, mm-hmm. which was like, "What DC character deserves a movie?" And yeah. my thought was, none of them. I don't want any more movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, when I can put Mister Gold's <laughs> name out to the universe, I'm going to do it. You like, know, I just I want different movies. Give me something interesting. Give me something separate from superheroes. Uh, we can do other things. That was we were talking before we started. How like I'm having a hard time finding new stuff to watch, and I just kind of want to go back and watch the same things. Like my wife telling me last night, no, we're not watching the Rocketeer again. You know, just stuff like that, which did made me want a new Rocketeer. And then I remember there was a supposed to be a project. I can't remember if it was a series or a new movie that got scrapped. You know, so I kind of want superhero adjacent things. You know me. I love pulpy, that kind of stuff, you know, so something along those lines would be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I've got I've got a good hand, handful of 2023 movies I want to get to uh, mm-hmm. that uh, seem potentially very good. Um, yes. But lots of good things about past lives. Um, I do want to check out Holdovers. Mm-hmm. I've uh, still need to see Spider Verse, which is a superhero yeah. movie, but it's a little bit different. It's it's, I would say hold off because it it's, not that it feels like half of a movie, but just the way that it ends. I mean, you say this, but it's going to be twenty twenty six at least before the yeah, next. Yeah, I know now. I know now. So, but it is. It was very good. I e- even though it was like two hours and a half, you know, it was like two hours twenty five minutes, almost two and a half hours. It moved even at home. Uh, with its animation style, which I thought I would get a little bit, not tired of, but it's really flashy, right? Like, I thought I'd get overwhelmed, and they, they do a very good job at handling that. Can't believe you still haven't seen that one. Yeah, I never wait to see it. Uh, there's a couple uh, of foreign movies that I'm waiting until they're available. Like, I've heard really good things about Anatomy of a Fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I want to see that. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so there's some interesting stuff. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, you just need to go look for it. You need to... Be, be aware of what it is. What's, what's the new Emma Stone, not Frankenstein movie, but like Frankenstein? I have no oh. idea. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. It's the new Yorgos movie. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, the guy that did The Lobster. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I want to say it's called like Pretty Things or Poor Things. Something like that. No, that's out. I don't know if I want to see it, though. That trailer did made made me kind of cringe. But yeah, I don't I, know how I feel about that. Yeah, I've not heard of this one as of yet. So. Really? Oh man. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't remember uh, anyway. So, anywho, uh, we've got some comic book stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we will start off 
with uh, what we all start off with, which is the Comixology Top 10, mm-hmm. which is Matt's favorite segment of the show. Yep. <laughs> all right, we're looking at Tuesday first. What, what, what do you think number one is? I'm trying to think if it would be Offworld or if it's going to be Wonder Woman. And I'm probably wrong on both fronts. Uh, so I'll go with Wonder Woman. I'll take a shot. Uh-uh. No? All right. Is it Offworld? Uh-uh. Don't tell me it's Titans Beast World. Uh-uh. Oh, whoa. Really? Is it Superman? Uh-uh. Nightwing. Uh-uh. What is going on? Is it that Kong Factor? Uh-uh. All right, I'm out. What? What am I missing? Am I missing a book? <laughs> Number one is Batman Superman World's Finest. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's always in the top three, but hey, man, good for Wade and Mora. Um, yeah, people are, people are reading the World's Finest. Uh, yeah. We got Nightwing, 109 at number two. Number three is Wonder Woman. Number four is Superman. Number five mm-hmm. is Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Number six is Batman Offworld. Number seven is Jay Garrick the Flash. Number eight is Titans Beast World Tour, Central City. Number nine is Green Lantern War Journal. And number 10 is Santa Claus Silent Night, which mm. uh, literally that is the 10 books we read. The entire top yeah. 10 is the 10 books yeah. we read. Dang. So, so uh, very good. We're on the pulse with uh, what's selling. Uh, mm-hmm. Hot Girls at 11, Catwoman's at 12, and then, you know, from there, it's Weird Things and yeah. old Marvel, like, digital uploads for stuff that they hadn't gotten to yet. Like Silver Surfer 144 <laughs> from the 90s. Exciting stuff. Uh, all right, yeah. Wednesday. If we look at the Wednesday, Matt, what, what, what do yeah. you think? Yeah. Uh, um. I'm looking. I'm looking for small, for for smaller numbers first, and then stuff with uh, like with, with a colon. But I don't see too much, which um, I'm gonna go with Uncanny Spider-Man Five. That is incorrect. I'm afraid. All right. I'm afraid, um, I'm afraid. Wolverine. That is also incorrect. Wow, it's not Amazing Spider-Man, is it? It is not. What the heck? Spawn? Nope. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. There, I see it. It's Uncanny Avengers. Nope. What? <laughs> I said that with such confidence. <laughs> you did. You absolutely did. No, number one is original X-Men issue one. What the? What is this book? I thought it was a reprinting. That's why I didn't say anything. Because um... it, it looks like a reprint. Of no, Avengers era. It's just a new comic about the original X-Men uh, by Christian yeah. Engage, who, if I remember correctly, was a writer on some of the Angel comics back in the day. Okay. I could be wrong, but his name's... Well, now, he's writing a, now he's writing a different Angel. That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, so that's neat. Uh, number two is Gods, issue three. That's the Jonathan Hickman book. Oh. Uh, yeah. Number three is Uncanny Avengers. Number four is Uncanny Spider-Man. Number five is Wolverine. Number six is G.I. Joe. Okay. Oh, Joe. Uh, uh, fair enough. Number seven is Amazing Spider-Man. Number eight is a Superior Spider-Man. Wait, so we had Uncanny Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. and Superior Spider-Man all in the same week? Yeah, and there's also a Spine-Tingling Spider-Man. 
Oh, bloody hell. Number yeah. 9 is Astonishing Iceman, and number 10 is Doctor Strange. So there you hmm. go. Uh, I'm just scrolling down to see if there's anything interesting to mention from further down. There was some Star Wars books, but none of them made it into the top 10. Yeah. Oh. What's that? No, there's a, a Cap Wolf in the Howling Commandos book that I was completely unaware of until right now. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm just noticing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book is at issue 146, and they've got a big banner saying the road to 150. So they're huh. building up to something big. I have no idea what's going on the cover, though. Uh, it appears to be Leonardo without his headband, and he's holding, like, a sword that's glowing in energy. So... Well, he looks like he's out in Monument Valley, too. Out in, like, the desert. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I say glowing, I don't mean like a lightsaber. It's more like a sword that's got tech in it. Yeah. Anywho. Kind of uh, like when they draw Katana's Soul Taker. Mm. In it, and it, like, charges up almost. But you can see, like, sort of lines, like, there's, like, a sort of circuit yeah. board on it. Mm-hmm. So, as Donatello uncovers the truth about... Armagon's origins, the time-eating tyrant begins to exert his influence on one of the turtle's allies. It's a race against time as the road to 150 continues. So, cool. Yeah, it's nice to see it still going. I read up to about issue 60 back when I was first yeah. reading it. Uh, and at the time, that wasn't too far behind uh, from where <laughs> it was at, so it's been a while. Uh, yeah. So, uh, one day it's definitely a run that I'll uh, work my way through, because I... Grew up being a Turtles fan. Yeah. So, Who, who's your turtle? I mean, I like call them, but uh, if, I, if I'm being forced to pick, it's Raph. Okay, you're a Raph guy. I figured, I figured you might you were either going to be Donnie or Leo, so Raph was kind of a curve. Yeah, and I said Leo when I was a kid, but I yeah. think it's Raph. Yeah. See, mine, mine was Mikey as a kid, and then as time has gone on, Donnie's my guy. Mm. Especially in the movies. I love him and Mikey's back and forth. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's the right. Comicsology Top 10. So we can just get into the books then and get firing through these. Mm-hmm. Uh, up first this week, we have Titans Beast World Tour Central City Issue 1. And what an interesting book this was. So let's try to do something different from the other one shots so far and uh mm-hmm. it had kind of a, a main story that it kept going back to throughout um mm-hmm. and all the other stories by different writers and teams they were kind of like set at the same time so basically the the, the, the framing device here is that barry's in the main story with Ira, and mm-hmm. he sends out a call for the other speedsters in the city and then the other stories are when they hear his call and what they're up to. But then it sort of comes back round to them all being in the main story by the end. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely preferred that as a concept. It seemed like it was trying to do something a bit smarter with the uh, the overall narrative yeah. technique. I will say, though, I will say, I have some bones to pick with some art here. Because uh-huh. is it just me or did Irie, Jay, and Maxine who is Animal Man's daughter, who's also in this. And uh-huh. she, she's been friends with those kids uh, from the previous Flash run. Yep. They all look like they were 20 in this issue. Yeah. Their their ages jump from, in some art, they look like kids, right? When we see, we see Irie in, like, the Howard Porter stuff, they look like kids. Hmm. Um, and then in other ones, like the main part of it, they look older than Avery and Ace. Yeah, like, uh, Irie yeah. runs in, it's the bottom of the first page, Irie runs mm-hmm. in, 
and she looks as tall as Iris does, right? Um, For a hot second, I thought it was Jesse Quick. Yeah, she, like, she looks too old. Yeah. The, the, nothing yeah. about her looks like, like a... I mean, she's maybe, what, like 12, maybe, at most? Yeah. I mean, mid- middle school at the most. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if anything, more like 10-year-old is what maybe what I was yeah. thinking. So... She comes in and like you know she she's she's been drawn like an adult right she's got all the curves and all that and she's super tall her face looks older and I'm like what's going on here why does she look so old and this is a present this is set during Beast World this is just going on yeah. right now so it's really weird uh, and the same kind of rings true for the other kids as well for for uh, for Jane mm-hmm. uh, Maxine but. Uh, and Jay especially, like when he's in costume towards the end, like they're doing some wild things with his physique. Like mm-hmm. his, his top of half of his body's like bulking up, like he's a uh, Rob he Leffield like, on steroids. I was gonna say he looks like Brock Lesnar, but now, <laughs> <laughs> like, but comically so. Like his like yeah. upper half is so bulky. It's, it's something wild's going on, and it's not yeah. even like I hate all the like. It sounds like I hate the artist who's doing the main story, and I I don't actually think I do. I think there's other bits in it that I quite like, but. I think those characters all look too old. It's almost like the artist just knows they can't do kids. So like, no, we're just not yeah. going to try. They're just going to be well, like, they're going to be 18 years old and just deal with it. So, so th- thumbing through this, it's the, the Alex Pacnaudel story that started with Jay and Maxine and they're on a date and it looks like Riverdale. This looks like, this not, oh, uh, to be fair, I, st- head. I, yeah. I still think they look too old in that, that story though. It's not as bad, yeah. but they, they still look too old. Yeah. But I'm looking, they look like like teenagers, not like preteens. Yeah. And they're meant to be preteens. Because, again, this looks like they're on a, on a soda shop date on Riverdale, you know. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, you know, just art inconsistencies. But after the last two that we had, they were kind of just grab bags. I'll, I'll take the inconsistent art to at least there's a through line. Like, I don't feel like I wasted my time. Uh, reading this, yeah, like so, this, I felt like we got a good, a good case of what was going on in Central City during Beast World. Yeah, I will say most of the times when it cut away from the main story, I didn't enjoy those like cutaways that much, with the mm-hmm. exception of the kids. Like the kids yeah. on their, so it's basically Jay and Maxine are on like a date, but he doesn't know it's a date, and it does yep. play like they're young. It plays like oh, they've never done this before, and yep. it's you know like she's trying to flirt with them and. I, I, and I enjoyed uh, Irie, she finds out, being kind of disgusted that they're on a date. Yeah. It's kind of cute. It's all very pleasant. Yeah. I enjoyed that. All the other times it cut away to the other, the other stories by other teams, though, I found myself, because, you know, one of them is the Speed Force team, and we don't like that book, so yeah. obviously I wasn't really into the writing of that part of the, the story. Oh, God. And then Circuit Breaker, I'm just not, like... Joey. That character just feels <laughs> superfluous. What was so funny is it cut to Circuit Breaker, I'm like, okay, I vaguely... Yeah. Like, this sounds familiar, but I don't remember who you are. And then someone yeah. mentioned the Still Force, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no!" Yeah. That said, we got we got a good Piper appearance. I like when we can get Pied Piper showing up. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind Pied Piper, but it was just it was in that story yeah. with Circuit Breaker, so I was just kind of checked out at that point. Yeah. Um, I will say too with the Speed Force story, while we're talking stuff that kind of annoyed us, I couldn't tell what was going on with the the Garo spore. Right, because the way that it keeps jumping oh, between no. the, Avery and Ace, there's several pages during the fighting towards yeah. the end that I just straight up didn't know what was happening because it's just yeah. kind of a mess. Yeah, and I was just like, "Who we like?" I want to enjoy the story. I like it, you know. the The whole idea of them trying to figure out as flashes that 
how to deal with these um, spores, I just couldn't tell, like, like when it jumped from, from Avery to Ace, I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. And then just, again, I don't care about this video game that he, the Ace is very uh, infatuated with. Um, but apparently it's a move from the game as it's able to disrupt, you know, Garo's. So, um, I mean, I guess that, that it served its purpose there is it shows us how to, how the flashes are going to be able to, you know, free these spores from people. Yeah. I, I did think it was a bit yeah. like when he actually says the code out loud for what you do in the game yeah. to get the move, it felt a bit like, okay, you're trying really hard to be gimmicky and I don't, I don't like it. This is, this yeah. is why I didn't like Speed Force. I, I, I hated yep. all the, the dialogue about video games it, and shit. It reminded me why I didn't read issue two, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, but no, I I did like the stuff with the kids uh, the most. I think um, I think they're really likable characters. Uh, the the ongoing chemistry between them is is quite nice. Maxine mm-hmm. using her animal man powers to try and like fight back, and yeah, it is kind of interesting how her and her dad fit into all this when this is all animal mm-hmm. based. So. They should yeah. be kind of secret weapons. And they kind of are because she's able to do a couple of fancy things with her powers in this. Like, yep. you know, the end of the story. Cause, so the main co- the main thing they're dealing with in this story, um, and oh God, I just got to the first page where Jay's got his big bulky top half. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually horrible. I don't understand what they were thinking with this. Like, has he ever been shown when he's using his strength to actually, like, like balloon? Yeah, I, I remember, but it was when he first was learning how to use it it's almost like the because it's not quite the speed force right um it goes into where he needs it so i I remember him having like a bigger top half to show that he was strong um but it was also because he was a kid so it looked silly so i figured that was the the point of it i mean it makes me laugh so at least there's points there (laughs) you know yeah, I do, I do like, you know, her, her, him and uh, Maxine, like, sharing ideas. And mm-hmm. then just, you know, the next panels, Ivory being like, this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just because they're clearly being flirty, they're clearly like, agreeing yeah. with each other and she doesn't like it. But anyway, the main gist of this whole story, other than the fact that the Beast World stuff's going on, is specifically that Godspeed has become... Um, like a, a murder hornet. A murder hornet. And yeah. he's using these powers to split up into multiple hornets. So that's what the main thing that they're all trying to deal with by the end of the story. And the way they revolve, resolve it all is that Maxine uses Iris mm-hmm. um, to... Well, first of all, Iris and Maxine tell Barry and the speedsters they have to let themselves be taken over by the spores which does uh-huh. seem like a really silly idea. <laughs> but uh-huh. they all turn into bees. And one of the things we were complaining about with the first couple of Beast World like, issues is, mm-hmm. like, is there any logic or reason as to why certain people turn into yeah. certain things? I got the impression from this that Maxine used their powers to in- ensure that they all yeah. turn into the same animals. Mm-hmm. But they all turn into big bees, right? So we get all these like bees in like, speedster colors. Uh-huh. And... The idea is, is that because they're now a hive, Maxine uses her powers and uses Iris as their queen to control them. So at the end of this this tie-in, all the speedsters are still bees, but they're doing good things because Maxine and Iris are... Because are... the hierarchy of a yeah. bee so... yeah. Which I liked. It was like a really smart take on the Beast World stuff. Yeah, it was um, all right. It was fun. Um, and, and the way that Maxine's able to adjust the the red basically and that's how she's able because you see when the spores go into them 
they they get different. So like Avery ends up with like an eel, and Ace has like an uh, like a muskox head and stuff. And so they're able to, she's able to take those and turn them into bees, which I thought was again, it feels like a story progression for Beast World. Yeah, it feels like uh, this this may actually be important in the main story at some mm-hmm. point that the Animal Man characters can do this. Yep, that they can influence what creatures people are turning into. And then it's not like a hard drill. Just just because Batman yep. turned into a wolf, wolf initially right. doesn't mean that if it goes let's say right. let's say the spore leaves him and goes back in, it doesn't right. mean that he'll just turn into the same animal again. Yeah. Um that said, uh it seemed all the flashes turned into lizards at one point, right? Because Impulse is like one of those frilled lizards. Uh Avery mm. and Ace both turn into like they almost like have like dinosaur heads and stuff so i thought that was curious uh captain cold is a polar bear though like i want to be mad at it but we got a polar nah, bear with captain cold's glasses yeah that's funny it's so funny yeah, yeah. That, that's a funny visual uh just to go back out of some art negativity the story with uh mm-hmm. circuit breaker and pied piper yeah. this was one again where i literally just didn't know what was happening for several panels because it was just yeah. all swirly action lines um it's the the page where on the bottom right hand, uh, Pied Paper says rats. They can never yeah. hold a steady beat. Um, but most of the panels on that page, I couldn't tell you what was happening in them. It's just lots of yeah. swirls, and you get the sense that two of them are fighting, but it's all the colors yeah. are just being mashed together. And there's, yeah, I'm not a fan of the art on that that particular yeah. story. Yeah, what? I won't. I won't disagree. Yeah, that's uh, Al Kaplan who seems yeah. to both write and do the art on that. Yeah, that one, but. Uh, but yeah, I, so I mean, I think overall, I appreciated that this tried to build a framework that everything sort of fit together in. Um, mm-hmm. I, I still feel that some of the individual stories that are sort of nestled within were mostly kind of fluffy, but I did like the one with the kids, and I did like mm-hmm. that it all built to something at the end. So it at least felt like there was more going on in this one. Yeah, uh, and there, there was yeah, yeah, seeing all the bees. You know, you got you got the main Barry bee, you got the Wallace bee, mm-hmm. you got the um. One thing that Spurrier's doing, and I, and I do appreciate it because we have so many of these characters, it's trying to define Barry, and Barry's upset because he's no longer the fastest man, right? Because yeah. that's gone to Wally. I don't know if that is the best time to be addressing that is in this. I feel that that should be a story point in the main book, right? I mean... I think if it's important in the main book, it will probably come up in some other way in the main book. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like that it made it feel like if you are reading that Flash run, which we are, yeah. mm-hmm. then this feels like it fits into that run at the same time yeah. as it fits into the event. And it gives it a bit of a like a coherent, connected world feeling to it where it's not just someone else randomly writing flash in this story that doesn't connect up at all with what the status quo is in the main flash book this at least ensures no no this is what the characters are going through this is something the writers maybe even seeding for later on in his own run like it can be essential because you can't just assume that everyone reading the flash is going to read the event and specifically this tie-in but i i can at least respect that it does feel like it does Mm -hmm. it feels like it feels like the events tying in to the ongoing Flash run as opposed to just tying in to the Flash right. in a way where it's just someone randomly writing, you know, a generic, could be any time frame Flash mm-hmm. character, you know? Right. Well, and then again, Spurrier had Barry's voice down about, you know, how he's feeling, you know, like he's the extra Flash now with, with the whole family. And part of the story for him to get this through is Irie kind of talking him up. It's like, no, you're the original. Like... You're you're the original Speed Force guy. We're all here because of you, 
Um, you know, so so own that. And on top of that, too, I also like that the the whole Flash legacy when Maxine's trying to talk about Jay and he says that it's a silly hat and Jay corrects her. I just thought that was funny that younger Jay's protecting or not protecting, but sticking up for older Jay wearing his, you know, Mercury mm. hat. I think it's called like a kettle hat or something like a kettle helmet. Some along those lines. I just little little character stuff like that. I really yeah. appreciated and. Those are both the Spurrier stuff too. So yeah, I also, which is a good sign because that's he's writing the the Flash uh-huh. one. If we're finding more to yeah. like with his Flash writing, that's yeah. good. Um, I did also really like that. Pretty much everyone was like, "Who's this animal chick? <laughs> like, yeah. we don't know who this is. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who is this girl?" Yeah. Uh, I, I got a chuckle out of that, and no one knowing who that was. Um, yeah, I. It's interesting because I think it's definitely a flawed book overall because you have some of those like shorter stories within that I do think are a bit of a chore to get mm-hmm. through. And to be honest, one or two of them I started just kind of skimming towards the end of them to get back to the... Yeah. Because, you know, I get it. They're here in the call. They're going to come and join the rest of the characters. Mm-hmm. What they were doing on their own almost doesn't matter that much. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I almost forgot Circuit Breakers in this book and then we started talking about it. Yep. Because yep. I skimmed through it uh, when we got to that one. But but I do appreciate that you know if we're gonna have more tie-ins I don't have, if we're gonna have more tie-ins for Beast World um, I hope they're more like this and less like the other two we read. I'm not feeling confident, Matt. Yeah, true. <laughs> One next week, let's look. I'm not feeling confident. Uh, we'll find out at the end of the show what's next week. But uh, what are you rating Titans Beast World Tour Central City? Um, I'm gonna give this a. I'll give it 6.5. That's actually what I was going to give it. Uh, wow. I think it's just not quite there. It'd be called good just because you do have to put up with some of those other stories that are sort of shoved into the middle of it. But mm-hmm. it's definitely the best of the tie-in so far because it feels like it has an overall idea and like thing, yeah. thing that it's building to. So, yeah. And if nothing else, the fact that this is the issue that has uh, Jay and Maxine on their first date Mm-hmm. means that there's at least something in here that makes it like, oh, this is actually at least somewhat important if you like these characters because they're doing something yeah. that's actually the next step in their, their journey. So yeah. that's mm-hmm. something. That's worth something. Um, all right, there you go. That's uh, Beast World Tour Central City. Next up, we got Superman Issue 9 Legacy 852. This is Joshua Williamson writing with Bruno Redondo mm-hmm. on the R which is sad because it means he's not on Nightwing probably for a while. Yeah, but the art looks so good here. Yeah, but <laughs> probably was on Nightwing. <laughs> yes, I know. It's, it's one of those sacrificial things where you're like, yeah, Nightwing, but as a Superman fan, this is great. I love the clean lines. Like, this is this type of Superman art that I really like, you know? Um, yeah, oh, no, but that, this, is, this is not me arguing. I, I yeah. also love Superman, but yeah. Tom Taylor's run is much better than Joshua Williamson's run, so I want the good art on that run. True, but I, what I am saying is I'm not going to say no to Redondo drawing Superman because I like the way it looks, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I'm, I'm okay. Um, that said, don't, don't take him away from Nightwing for too long. That's all. Yeah. So Superman was injured after the fight at the end of the last issue. He had mm-hmm. a lot of grip, kryptonite kind of glowing on him kind of thing. Yeah, kryptonite uh, poisoning. So here the issue starts with Lois reading letters that people all over the world are sending him to wish him the best, basically. 
She's, and she's reading them to him as he's unconscious getting healed by the the technology at Supercorp. So, mm-hmm. um, and she's getting theory-eyed, she's having memories, and this is where you see the Redondo art kind of shining because mm-hmm. it's re- doing a really good job of building up kind of these, these moments where she's, you know, just hesitating, getting upset, and then going back to reading more letters. But yeah, so we see everyone sort of pulling for, for Superman. Lex is talking to his mother at Strikers Island, uh, where she's basically just telling him he's a big disappointment to her because you know yep. that's what she does, and we find out that Lena has already graduated high school and has now got a job at Supercorp and she's working with the other scientist on keeping the chained, uh, well chained, chained, <laughs> yeah. <basically. laughs> so yeah, I feel it's not a good place for him. There's a reason he was buried too far under there, right? Yeah. I. It's also funny to me, uh, like, you have someone that he's clearly going to want to kill. Like, he's he's going to see Lena as the, the best target. Yeah. So if he uh-huh. ever does get free, and there's that one panel of his eyes coming from, like, yeah. beneath the, 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 the... Ominous. It's like the helmet or whatever they've got mm-hmm. I'm chained the, up we'll in. We'll call it the helm. Um, but yeah, and it's got the Redondo... Uh, dot shading in there mm. so it it gives it like this pulpy like creepiness to it like an old horror comic uh so i like that panel a lot yeah so lois makes up an excuse for why her and clark aren't at the planet she's on the phone to jimmy mm-hmm. and says oh we just have to get away and he's like yeah but like who's in charge when you're not here and i'm like oh yeah she's the editor like she's kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of important to the operation and she says you're in charge <laughs> so Jimmy's left. <laughs> Jimmy's left in charge of the Daily Planet, and this is when Superman gets up and they have this whole big hug and whatever. And then Lois has a moment and realizes, "Wait a minute, did I just leave Jimmy Olsen in charge of the Daily Planet?" So, yeah, maybe we'll have some antics from that. Well, some then, fun. Yeah, and then Superman's like in that. You know, they do the the font bubble with all the squiggly lines, which I'm always assuming is you know, like a kind of like a whisper. Yes, yeah, I think you did. What are you doing here? You know, so just him getting, you know, instantly knowing what's going on um, and being back into it. But um, the other stuff with, I thought, with Mercy, those those panels, the coloring here, um, there's something about the shaded pink Superman that I don't, I don't know where the pink's coming from, right? Like, is, is this supposed to be just the light from that room? Um, from like the, the lamp that that's hitting him, but it just, it looks really good. Like the coloring here is on point. Um, despite yeah. otherwise, you know. Yeah. Mercy comes in and first of all, uh, says drop the act. Like I, I mm-hmm. Lex had me in, in the whole secret identity thing. I know he's Clark, yep. so we don't have to pretend that I don't know why you're here, Lois. Yep. Uh, but people will start asking questions. So you're going to have to be sneaky about it. Um, but basically, they're saying, "Okay, what, what's happening next? What, what, what you know, what, what is a uh, farming graph going to be doing? They're, they're now the main thing to worry about." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Okay, well, we know where they're going next because we heard last time that Marilyn Moonlight was someone that Lex had wronged, and that's going to be the next person they try and recruit." So Superman, because his suit's damaged, he has to take the one that Lex made. Although he obviously modified because it, it's still green and purple, so he kind of yeah. Obviously, when we see him in a couple of pages, he's uh, turned it into a Superman suit. But he is wearing yeah. this very armored-looking Superman outfit. 
Yeah, but, it's it's the Lex suit without the helmet, right? Like he's got the big shoulders, um, and then he puts, of course, the Superman S on there. Yeah, but, but yeah, he's done, he's he's got the spray paint out. He's done a quick yeah. quick job. Uh, but yeah, so basically, is this this is farm or is this graph? I, I can never remember what that's one farm. Was. That's farm, right? Yep. Mr. Uh, Graph's the other guy. So, farm is trying. Oh, wait, no, that's Graph. You're right. Because she says, <laughs> Marion says, I go where I'm needed, and I'm not playing with. Uh, I'm not playing any of your game games, Graph. Okay. To be fair, we haven't seen farm in a minute, though, right? Like. No, I mean, no, we have, but they we always yeah. seem together, so I never know which right. one's which. Right. They're a pair. It's it's like uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Zan and Jaina, although I know who's who, so so not like that at all. I was going to go with like uh, I don't know Lauren Hardy or you know, something really timeless, but you all yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> I stepped all over that, but yeah. Um, yeah. Again, the the coloring here, I think, is really really doing a lot of cool work i will say uh, like i feel like the more we get a farming graph the 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 more i'm just like yeah these villains are like i, I kind of like the idea of what they're doing but their designs yeah. and their attitudes kind of lame I, <laughs> I hate them yeah like I, on paper it's great but like uh, the, the well, kryptonite claw it doesn't and... help that here when superman shows up to try and intervene in this recruitment uh-huh. not that marlon moonlight was being convinced she doesn't want yeah. anything to do with them um superman swoops in and Graft presses a button and his wheelchair turns into like a robot spider like base. Yeah. So he can he's into fight mode, basically. And all I could think was this is like Dr. Robotnik from a Sonic video game. Like this is wacky or, shit. Or, or a producer was a John Peters. Yeah, yeah. Spiders he, he are the most dangerous yeah. animal in the kingdom. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I so even the, the dialogue here did that annoy me a little bit where uh, as the page is turning bef- as he's like pressing the button he's like it's been a long time since I've stepped into the arena then you turn the page of battle and I'm like okay alright like yeah. this is this is a bit in the cheesier side than I this, would have enjoyed I think I'm like this nerd has been uh, on too many D&D quests you know like nobody talks like this I don't know but maybe that's the point Maybe they're so out of touch with society, but and also out of all the designs to make, he you know, it's not even a cool looking spider. And he's got a bubble helmet going on, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just not feeling uh, that. Yeah. This. So and the book takes a weird turn here, right? So there's a bit of a fight with Superman, mm-hmm. um, but basically, Graft fires a, a beam at Marlin Moonlight. She starts mm-hmm. to light up. Superman goes to try and save her. And then she basically, in a flash of light, both her and Superman disappear. And, mm-hmm. you know, Lex was on the comms with him. And he's like, wait, Superman, where are you? And then Mercy's like, he's gone. There's no trace of him. So what happens here at the end is we cut back to the Wild West. <laughs> There's a train coming in. We see some mm-hmm. kids on a, a train with, a, with an old woman. Um... And then we get some old western style, like, uh, not superheroes, but like Nighthawk and Cinnamon. Which, by the way, yeah, Cinnamon. Can I just say, sounds like a stripper name, okay? Yeah, I mean, welcome, you're not wrong, but welcome, take it for welcome yeah. to the stage, Cinnamon. To be fair, Nighthawk also sounds like the you know Magic Mike version. 
<laughs> you, could, you could say, you know. I, I mean, yeah, I, I suppose I could see that. Um, but they're like, you know, they're like cowboys but, with masks and yeah. These, these are two hawk identities. This is Carter and Kendra, or Shayera. Wait, which one's Cinnamon? I can't keep the hawk timelines. <laughs> And it's one of well, those. It's either Hawk Girl or Hawk Woman. I get that from Nighthawk. I can see where that that yeah. correlation is. Yeah. Cinnamon's not telling me Hawk Girl though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, just real quick, I looked up. You know, before we get to this, Graf shoots the the beam, and it came from the Yellow Kryptonite, which, according to the 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 DC database, the Yellow Kryptonite destroys the uh, ability of a Kryptonian to process the yellow sunlight. So. Uh, this probably doesn't mean anything, but I thought it might be before I before I looked it up. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it has moonlight with it, so I, I was thinking this yeah. is. I was as, assuming that this time travel that seems to have happened is more based on moonlight's like abilities, whatever they are, because we don't really know a whole yeah. lot about her yet. So, and she, well, it, I, I just it, thought like it, if it was like, go ahead. And she does feel like she's out of the old west. Like she's, you know, her entire persona looks old fashioned. So it feels like this is obviously going to tie into why she is the way she is in some way. Right. Actually, that was gold kryptonite. Um, but I just thought, like, if it was like the red kryptonite, which has varying effects or whatever, that's what caused. Wait, doesn't doesn't gold? Her... Wait, doesn't gold kill him? Uh, I think silver does. So no gold. Well, gold it removes their powers. Um, uh, okay. Otherwise, it's not all right. So that was gold. They, someone had put the wrong thing. The yellow kryptonite was uh, is not actually, but uh, this is weird. It wasn't actually, but it's your man robot. But yeah, so it turns out yellow is not actually there. It's gold, not yellow. But who knows when it comes to Graft and his kryptonite claws? I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I wasn't even thinking about this. <laughs> well, I just I would give it a second. For me, thought. if you if you put in the art that it's coming out of the yellow kryptonite claw. You know, there has to be a reason, you know what I mean? But maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but yes, so so on the train, Nighthawk and Cinnamon, no. Clearly, this is not supposed to be Metropolis, right? Like, this uh, is on a train going to Metropolis. Possibly? I don't know if it says anything anywhere, but where it is going or where they are. Just because they are out in the Old West. Like, Metropolis does not, like, where Metropolis is in, on the eastern seaboard would not look like this hundreds of years ago you know what i mean i mean um, yeah i mean it says metropolis express so yeah going to yeah. metropolis would make sense that's that's what i'm i'm starting to that's what i was hoping but i did get caught up on that because they were in metropolis and now they get transported you know to you know wherever nighthawk and cinnamon are which you're right i can't say that name seriously now god you ruined that thanks pete Sounds like a stripper. I'm sorry. It just it does. This is like a like. I feel like Kendra would punch you in the face if you called her cinnamon. Oh, one hundred percent. Kendra and Shayira. So, uh, let's see. I'm trying to see how she got her name. Because if she works in a brothel, I'm going to lose it. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So so go ahead. I, I'm going to look up to see where this comes from. I mean, yeah. I mean, basically. Uh, yeah, so there's this woman with two children, and she's talking about them being visionaries and inventors. So I don't know if they're trying to imply this is like the, like the the grandparents Alex or something like that. <laughs> like you know, well, not well, not that both would be the, the, his grand. You know what I mean? Like the one of these yeah. kids is like a, a Lex Luthor or, or uh, ancestor or something. But anyway, uh, basically, 
there's a, a bandit coming in, notably wearing blue and red, and he's on top of the train. Nighthawk and Cinnamon climb up. They tell him to reach for the sky, and it's clearly Superman. Uh, yeah. And he says he's robbing the train. <sighs> Look, this is... Right, this isn't multiverse shit, right? To be yeah, fair. It's time travel. But I will say... I've had so much recently of characters being whisked away to another world or another time mm-hmm. out of nowhere and knowing Williamson this will maybe only be like two issues before he's back in yeah. Metropolis in present day but part of me goes like okay like we're not even going to get the, the reaction of him transporting we're just skipping ahead to when he's already established himself as like a, mm-hmm. a bandit in the old west I don't know I just this just was such a left turn. Like, I like the idea that Marlon Moonlight inherently, like, does... Ha- that's why she's not around all the time is because maybe she is jumping backwards and forwards in time because she's, uh... That's maybe part of her abilities or something like that. That is an interesting thing for her character. But the way this ending sets up makes it feel like, oh, we're going to be spending, like, an arc in the Old West with Superman doing stuff before he gets back to present day and maybe it'll be fun and maybe if if i hadn't just had a stupid batman arc where he was in an alter, alternate universe for an entire arc maybe i'd be more lenient on this but in the current climate with how i currently feel this felt like a, wait, why are we doing this now <laughs> yes but also superman looks cool as hell he's got that red poncho the white hat you know, I know he's a train robber, but it, it's old Western rules that the White Hat's the good guy, right? Like, there's that. Like, Redondo kills it on that art. Even the, the hat tip up, you know. Um, so, yes, inherently silly and making me question what is going on. But I, I can't wait to see where it goes. Uh, I just... I feel like this run's just bouncing backwards and forwards. Every time it introduces or does something I quite like or has some scenes that I really like, it then does something weird or something that feels rushed, like, almost right after. I just, I can't get a a solid footing on it uh, at any point, which is a shame. Yeah. It says, next time, the man of yesterday. I see what they did there. Yep. I see what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. I, 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 like, I'm not angry but i'm also not that excited <laughs> for yeah for the next issue now so I, I don't know what to what to make of it at this point i mean obviously yeah redondo's art is very good the layouts are excellent um but it does just make me wish he was back on nightwing just because i i, I think the the storytelling is is it, it's equal there whereas here i'm going oh this art looks good but it's also this really lame villain graph firing a beam from his kryptonite nail yeah. that he's got in his hand which and he's on top of his robot spider which transformed out of his wheelchair there's just it's just really silly stuff and yeah yeah i don't know i, I just i'm not i'm not in love with it yeah i yeah i would say i'm in love with it but am i enjoying it absolutely mm. you know like it's it's inherently silly like i said and you know as long as the, it's still tongue-in-cheek and doesn't feel like it's taking it too serious. And I feel that's where the Batman stuff really failed for me. Because mm. I don't mind alternate reality stuff. But it just seemed to be taking it way too seriously. Um, so here, and again, this is not alternate reality. This is the past. It makes it even more murky. You know, just because Superman shouldn't be in the Old West. You know, and what, what's that going to mean? Because it seems like uh, 
those two kids that were on the train are Graft and Farm, you know. Um, oh, is that what they're going for? They look. That's what I think. They also like Jules and Vern from Back to the Future 3. I was getting those vibes. I, I was assuming uh, this was like Lex Luthor's great-grandfather or something. But. No, because they say, because they're talking about the mother. Let me get my book reopened. Um... He's got the black hair. I mean, I, I believe um, you. I, I believe yeah. you that I was just, I was too busy thinking what the hell are we doing now to, to pick up on that yeah. detail. Um, yeah, because it says, recently my family's had quite a few troubles. Heinous bandits steal everything from us at every turn. We need protection. You see, my darling boys are young inventors, visionaries. Um, and that might go into also with Lex. They feel like Lex stole their stuff. So that, that inherently that's where they go with the... You know, Lex Luthor Revenge Squad. Uh, I assume to. there'll be an explanation as to why they're so old yep. then. Yep. Because they'd be over 100 years yeah. old easily uh-huh. based on uh-huh. this, this time period. I mean, he's got, he's got robot spider legs. I'm sure there's, there's you know, he's found a fountain of youth somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's just it's kind of a weird direction for, for, mm-hmm. for me. And, I, and that's not the first time I've said that about this, this Williams the no. Superman run. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, you know, yeah. I was just settling into okay, the relationship between Superman and Lex is getting more interesting. This Lois stuff is really fun to watch her run the Daily Planet and be caring about Superman. Even the Lena stuff's kind of interesting in terms of like mm-hmm. what it may be building to. And no, no, we can't enjoy any of that because now we have to go into the past. <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. See, I thought you were going to say we have to go to the past. I was like, no, we get to go to the past. We get to go to the Old West. <laughs> So, you know, hopefully it's more like Back to the Future 3. That's what I'm just saying. Ah, dear. All right, what are you giving Superman issue 9? Um, I'm going to give this, and it's mostly on the, the art. Um, I'm going to give it 7.5. Hmm. That's just a 6 for me, I think. Mm-hmm. So 6 out of 10. Not terrible, by any means. But, uh... Yeah. All right. Wonder Woman issue four, Legacy eight oh four. Tom King writing with Daniel Sempier on the art. Now this is a comic book, Matt. Yes. This is very good. Um, yes. I mean, so, weirdly, I may say it's the weakest of the four issues so far, but that's not mm-hmm. you know in any way to say this is anything it, less than great. It's just that the first three by, were so exceptional. Yeah, by weakest, it's not because it feels so detached from what we have been doing. It definitely feels like the calm before the sword or storm. It almost is like a brief interlude before things really get popping. Yeah, because you know, uh, it starts with news broadcasts talking about that soldier committed suicide and how that's spreading mm-hmm. and it's turning the people against Wonder Woman. Uh, public opinion's really down, mm-hmm. and the story of this issue is uh, you know there's two sides to it. Uh, the Wonder Woman side is that she is effectively doing like a make-a-wish type thing where despite the fact that this, this kid's parents are kind of with the public and don't like her now anymore because of all, all this bad press and everything going on with the Amazons, she is there because this this kid, uh, Jack, I think his name is, is dying. Uh, he's got a terminal illness and she is going to spend the day with him and take him wherever he mm-hmm. wants to go and he says he's Wonder Woman's biggest fan. He's got posters around and all that. Uh, and that's what that, you know, so that plot's about that. And he wants to go to Themyscira. And she's like, yep, I'll take you there. It's a bit weird there right now because of all the tensions. But if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. Uh, so it makes her very endearing to the reader. Meanwhile, the Sovereign is in the presidency year. And it's all about having the president 
basically further this narrative with the public and get the public to turn again. And we don't get to hear what his speech is. We get, you know, we get little teases and glimpses of, like, a lot of it's the Sovereign saying things like, no, no, you keep saying Wonder Woman too much. Don't address her by name. It humanizes her. You know, we have to, you have to demonize. You have to say she's the enemy of the people and really talk down to her. Uh, the main thing we got out of that, though, is that the president gets on his knees and kisses his ring. It's the set, you know, because he says, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. He's like, hey, just because I'm polite and say I suggest something does not mean it's a suggestion. It means well, and he, it's an order. He even refers to his mother as the queen mother, which is like a monarchy thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that, that to me, as a student of American history, is the complete opposite, right? So to see a president, whether... You know, whoever this is supposed to be, you know, it's someone, you know, like a, like a DC creation because you never get a clear shot on the president, right? You see the gray hair and whatever. I, I think that's by design, uh, so it's like, oh, it could be yeah, any yeah, yeah, president yeah. almost. But like, just seeing a president bow down to a bigger power like that just really unnerved me. Which like, good, good on you, Tom King. Like, because uh, just the whole idea, like, you'll do what every other president has done, and that's kiss the ring. And I was like, oh, no, Teddy, Teddy did not kiss no ring. I'll tell you that much, you know. So it also makes me think that the sovereign beyond the, the you know, we, we know he's at the lasso of lies, right? And I'm wondering if, like, the power of persuasion and that type of stuff, it's almost, that's almost like the opposite of truth, um, that you can convince people through these lies, you know, and that's what he's working at here. Oh, yeah, that's what we've been um, talking about. I mean, that was the whole thing last yeah. issue is he brought it out to convince the soldier to do what mm-hmm. he was going to do. Um, that's that's the entire basis of what, what the Sovereign are doing. No, I know that, but I didn't see him have the lasso when he was talking to the president, right? I don't think he needs it. I think they've, they've put yeah. themselves in such a position of power. They don't have to use yeah. it uh, with, with, yeah. with everyone, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, he's just got that skill that he's able to do all this, and it makes him feel like... Like we always talk about the the kind of lack of a rogues gallery for for Diana, right? We know there's Sheeta and and Veronica Kale and the gods and whatnot, but like to have like an actual threat, I feel like it's been a minute uh, to to her. Yeah, I mean she does have a gallery, but yeah, it's been a while since Adam have been propped up in such a big way. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, this issue, it spends a lot of time with Diana, sort of the idea that she's not even paying attention as her name's being sullied, as her, as, as her mm-hmm. reputation's been attacked. She, she's doing this nice, very selfless yeah. thing for, for this kid. Yeah. And it's this contrast of, like, one side is scheming, and, you know, the art reflects this. You know, a lot of that art when mm-hmm. the Sovereign's in the, the Oval Office, you know, there's a lot of low angles looking up at him, and he's, you know, he's this wrinkly mm-hmm. old man. It's very evil and very kind of like oh he's this little devil who's like cagey like he's you know yeah yeah whereas you you, then you go to the art of the other stuff the the main story and Mm -hmm. it's very colorful and pulpy you the the Mm -hmm. the red and the blues that the the kids wearing uh are really Uh popping diana's you know and i think one of the things is that diana is very apprehensive at times during this because she's you know but she's nervous about going to paradise island she's nervous about various things uh-huh. but the moment when she sees the reaction on the kid's face when she sees him for the first time mm-hmm. she smiles in this genuine way and this is like a real credit to the art where you yeah. really get that that moment all those all those worries fade away and she's just delighted that she's means something to this kid and that she's making this kid's day 
Um, so yeah, all, all that stuff, you know, taking him on the visible jet, going to the island, um, spending the day sort of teaching him about Themyscira and stuff. And then even the bitter end where he's like, oh, you know, I, I, I wish this could be, you know, more. And he's, he's sad because mm-hmm. and he even says, I know I'm dying. I know that's what's happening. And she just gave him one nice day. And that was more important than, mm-hmm. you know, paying attention to all this other shit that's going on. So yeah. uh, <clears throat> it's a very, it's, it's very much the, like you say, it's, it's a more downbeat issue. Whereas the first three issues, I feel like it's big, big things were happening. Yeah. This is more the rumblings in between as it's building up to the next thing. But I love some of the art stuff they did here where you see like the blurry reflection of the president and the camera lens when they're filming mm-hmm. this interview and you or the statement to the, the press. And you, you don't get to see, again, what he says. You just get these little right. in, indications. And then later on, uh, towards the end of the book, there's sort of mirroring that there's a close-up panel of the sovereign's kind of like eye and you can see that same blurry reflection of the president on his glasses uh but mm-hmm. he obviously you can see his eye because he's sort of looking down over them in that kind of yeah peering way like you know we're, we're keeping an eye on you kind of thing yep. uh it's very good well and, and it does a thing with the balance of it like you know through this we've had the the dialogue boxes have been uh the sovereign right they've been in blue but here, as people are reacting to the president's speech, it's Diana's, you know, she's talking to the kid, you know, on the mascara. Um, and we're getting, you know, so it's almost like a balance of, you know, this is what Diana, this is what's going on in her head while all this other stuff is going on. And it's almost like a counter. And this is why she is who she is. Uh, and I really like that. Again, that's, that's King working with the artist, like, flawlessly. Um. Well, I'm just checking. Uh, so are you saying it switches to her narration at that point in the book? Yeah. So you go and he, she's with the kid, and he's crying because he, you know, he feels like there's something wrong because all the all the people, you know, he should like Superman or Batman, but he doesn't. He loves Wonder Woman, and you know, is it is it because he's sick, like inside? And she goes, oh, no, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Oh, no, no, I get what you're saying. But, you're, yeah. but you're, uh, what I'm saying is, is that the, the blue narration box, he's never stopped being the sovereign. It's always him when it's those. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. So, you just mean she, she yeah. sort of speaks her mind finally. So you get to hear more what right. she's thinking. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Exactly. While all of this other stuff is going on, where we don't get to see what the president's saying because we're in Diana's, you know, and what she's talking about is kind of addressing all of this. You know, um, like how she thinks they're, you know, I think they're fools, like the gods, all their pomp and thunder. And then it's it's Steve because he's gotten into a fight with other people uh, about Diana. Yeah, he's in the brig. They're, they're bad mouthing her and they're saying mm-hmm. that they that she cut off his dick effectively. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And even though Steve's warned that if he does anything else, he'll go straight to the brig. He punches yeah. the dude in the face. It's very it's very satisfying, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good little moment. Um, but yeah, it's very much this again. The, the, obviously, the story that has been pro- is propagating is this idea that this is emasculating the men. So therefore, we mm-hmm. should all rise up against Wonder Woman and the Amazons. Uh, we have to fight back against this example of a strong woman. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely feeding into all that that sort of the the misogynistic propaganda that they're that they've been mm-hmm. kind of spreading, and you know the sovereign's been talking about since the the start. But again, I think it's interesting now that we're in issue four that. Clearly, as we've been going on, we've been 
it's been more and more overt where and and the narration with the so and it's the sovereign talking to her daughter in the future is yep. now he's saying things like oh your mother did this like he's directly <clears throat> referencing yep. that now it's not as much of a secret anymore right. so we're we're getting a lot more direct calls to the the context of, of all this in fact the issue even ends with a little tease where the the uh, Jack the kid says you know you'd make a good mother uh, mm-hmm. someday and she's like, oh can you imagine me a mother mm-hmm. oh no that that'd be what what child does deserves any ch- yeah, there you go. that fate? Yeah, yeah. It's- does any child deserve that fate? And it's just it's very funny, tongue in cheek, but because I, I was thinking the same thing. The way well, she it, is with this kid, right? It's also kind of um, ominous, though, right? Like because it makes you think yeah. of like, okay, obviously we're seeing these backup stories where it seems like she has a decent mm-hmm. childhood, but it's also kind of yeah. ominous. Like, well, she ends up in like a jail cell with uh, the sovereign at some point, so maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe there is some bad stories ahead for. Or Trinity. Yeah, I just think the fact is, I don't think like Diana, because there's another part in here where the, uh, you know, Philippus is left in charge because Nubia is out dealing with the Amazon attacks story, right? And, and Hippolyta is ascended to godhood. Uh, she's the goddess of the Amazonians now. So um, Philippus is in charge. And when they're like, oh, Diana's brought a young boy to the island, what are we going to do? And Philippus is like, look, all the queen of the Amazons has known, like, yes, we lead our people and our people listen. But when it comes to Diana, we just let her do what she needs to do, you know? And it's just almost like this respect for her. Um, it says, uh, she does not, um, despite her hallowed power and duty, ever rule Diana. So, like, the queen of the Amazons has a lot of power. But when it comes to Diana, Diana's going to do what she wants. Yeah. You know, and she's she's earned that. It's not like she's being insulin or going out of her way. It's, you know, just just let her cook, if you will. Um, and then that also leads to a great page that I just want to highlight of of their day on the island. Right. And they're like they're sword fighting. They're riding Jumpa. He gets to throw the tiara, you know, um, she's doing push ups with him on her back. Yeah, you mentioned like just... you mentioned the exchange a little bit earlier, but I want to just go back to it a little mm-hmm. bit, which is yeah. the uh, exchange where he's basically saying, "Is there something wrong with me? Because I'm a boy, yeah. I'm supposed to like Superman or Batman." Mm-hmm. And she hugs him and you know says, "There's nothing wrong with him." Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's incredibly a sweet little poignant thing. This idea that he is looked upon like a weirdo because he's not conforming mm-hmm. to the things that he's expected to like. You know, he right. he's he's a young boy who, has, who for whatever reason, he is attracted to Wonder Woman. And not in like a, a physical attraction no. way. Uh, <laughs> but he's attracted to her, for whatever reason, be you know, more than the mm-hmm. other heroes. And that's okay. And it makes you th- I mean, you know, it makes you think of those like crazy stories of like dads getting really weird because their mm-hmm. kid likes a Barbie or something like that. It's like, oh no, why is my yeah. son playing with a doll? Oh no. Like it yeah. kind of makes you think of that a little bit and it, it, it sort of ties into cool. into that. And, it, and it's true that if you treat both, you know, with respect, it doesn't matter. The kid likes what a kid likes. You know, a toy is a toy at the end of the day. We're, the adults are the ones that determine if it's a boy's toy or a girl's toy. You know, yeah, but that's the sad, you, that's the sad part of that yeah. that question though that he asks is the yeah. idea that he mm-hmm. he's feeling guilty because he knows his parents don't like that he he likes Wonder right. Woman. So you know you you can make that an allegory for all all sorts mm-hmm. of things for being gay for being whatever. Like yeah. you you can say that represents so many different things. Um, so it's really sad that this kid's having to question like is there something mm-hmm. wrong with them just because 
he likes something <laughs> he likes yeah. someone you know that's right it's wild like it's like he's been punished for looking up to a strong yeah. female figure it's it's wild well and just the idea that like is he sick and not just with his sickness right you know he's visioning you know he's he's picturing this as that there's inherently something wrong that needs to be fixed when really it's just like no he he likes wonder woman she's and as we've seen from that soldier you know what led to him getting the lasso of lies is like she's on the justice league man like she's a hero just like superman and batman uh there's no shame in getting our butts kicked by her you know so it's that same that kind of healthy take on her that's what this kid already has you know, and that's that's uh, the point of that whole thing is that that, that mm-hmm. soldier he needed to break out the lasso of lies because yep. oh this soldier actually has like ideals he actually has a healthy yep. view on things we it, it's almost that thing where we'll scare people into believing the right things and for the those yep. those in society who are a bit too strong in their morals or their beliefs yep. or have too much of a strong idea of what they believe in, that's when we break out the cheat code. We break out the, the yep. lasso. So, And I think that's why the lasso lies was nowhere in the White House. He didn't need it because right. this, is clearly, this, this is clearly something the presidents, when they're sworn in, like they find out that yeah. we work for the sovereign. Like This is just well, part of the system. And, and again, this is where I'll give King credit is like, I want her to smash this dude so much. Like, especially oh, yeah. after this issue where we see, you know, her spending her day. Like, she has all the stuff that she has to worry about, but she's taking time out of her day to give this little boy his dream, you know. Um, and I think, too, the fact that it is a boy and that she bends the rules to get him to Paradise Island. Because he even feels kind of sheepish, sheepish asking to go. And she's like, no, I'm I'm Wonder Woman. We're, we're going to go if you want to yeah, go. Yeah, he, he's worried that he doesn't you have know? the right to ask that. Like, he doesn't belong yeah. there kind of thing. Um, yep. and it's and, very it's very innocent in fact one of the the news report mm-hmm. things earlier on there's like a quote from like a senator or something saying mm-hmm. make no mistake that suicide was wonder woman's fault she was in that yeah. room she pulled the trigger and it's wild to yeah. read that this week because well, not to depress you matt but i don't know if you heard yeah. uh uh what was his name oh i'm afraid his first name uh the guy, the guy who played jonathan kent on smallville yeah, yeah, he's a moron. Yeah, well, but let me explain to the audience what I'm talking about. Uh, Good. He on a like a celebrity game show um, called for the execution of the president because he sees him as a traitor, right? And it's that type of language that that reminded me of is like this senator mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, she was in the room. She pulled the trigger." No, yeah, she wasn't. <laughs> like that's not how this works. Well, so, so was it on the game show he did that? Because I saw that it was on Twitter. Because I saw, I saw it because Gail Simone commented on it. No, he said it, it was, was the, just a, no, it was the end of the what the Masked Singer whatever show he was on. Oh my god, that's even worse. Yeah. Time and a place, bro. And he he used to be my favorite Pa Kent. Like I liked him the, for <laughs> all the flaws of that show. It was never because of Pa Kent. Yeah, no, I, know, I, I'm just I'm, I'm using it as an example yeah. here. I'm not talking about yeah. that specifically, but it's just that type of like. Uh, uh, brain poisoning hyper i want to say hyperbole but it or yeah. but it doesn't feel right either but it, it, yeah. you get the point i'm making here it's uh yeah this idea of of pu- pushing this narrative that for, you believe in so vividly mm-hmm. um by just saying things very extremely in a way i, I just you know it's, it's going for shock value it's going for yeah. For trying to 
garner support in these wild ways um so i don't know i just it, it reminded me a lot of that when i read that no that it, panel. it was yeah that was kind of there too reading because uh this was the last thing i read this week i kind of built up to wonder woman and and yeah it does and again king king is, is in the dc like not the circles but he lives in dc right he's he's kind of at the forefront of all the stuff you know so he's i think a little bit tuned into it more than most people so I, it doesn't surprise me that a celebrity saying something stupid lines up with the week that Wonder Woman comes out, you know? Um, but yeah. I mean, there's uh, an example every other week, really. That just happens to be yeah. one that's more DC Comics related because the actor happened yeah. to be known for a DC comic show. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So, but, yeah. Um, also got, got Sheeta. I'm wondering how she's going to, um, how she's going to factor into this. Uh, she's sitting there listening. Because, you know, we all know her complex relationship with Diana uh, and the Amazons. So I thought that was a curious beat to, to pop that up. Yeah, specifically, um, she's listening to the, the speech the president's making. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if we've left anything else out. I don't think. I mean, they meet, uh, Waller meets with, um, what's his name, Sergeant Steele. Uh, and she kind of, what does she do here? Talking about, um... I'm trying to just go over this page. I can, Stop I mean, asking I, questions. I, I mean, I could, I could tell you if you want, but we don't have to. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I just had to get the the, <laughs> the coverage. Sorry. Uh, basically, she's like, "Oh, bring in a bunch of superhero uh, powered people, not superheroes." Sorry. Uh, yeah. She's she's building. I don't know if it's a Suicide Squad specifically, but she's saying, "Yeah, you know." I think she she basically makes a comment about a bunch of the. She alludes to a bunch of characters. That I'm sure some people have sat and like thought about and figured out who they all yeah. are, but it's like you know, bring the doctor, bring the whatever. Um, so yeah, so basically, Steel is going to have a team of villains, presumably, to try yeah. and help fight Wonder Woman. Well, that's what it made me wonder because he says, and the big cat too. So I'm wondering if that's where where she's coming in, you know, with Cheetah. Mm. Yeah, not very possibly. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, very good issue. It may be the weakest of the four, but only because mm-hmm. by its nature, it's not as big and exciting an issue, but it does set the stage quite a bit. And the fact that we're seeing Wonder Woman do this kind thing over the course of the issue when the the B-plot is just trying to demonize her in every way possible. What was that, Matt? So I was, I was answering a thing and my phone went rogue. So uh-huh. I was just checking a text and yeah. Yeah. So uh, the backup is uh, more of young Trinity with uh, with with the boys, Damien and yeah, yeah, and the complaint of them, like, particularly Damien, uh, being too young in this, given the age that Trinity is, uh, still tracks. <sighs> but I'm wondering if there's something up to it though, because she's meant to be 13 here, right? And and. John and Damien don't look much older than the last time we saw them. Like, so I'm wondering if there's some Amazonian timey agey shenanigans it, at play here. It's possible, but like, even if she's like born from clay, like, I mean, maybe she yeah. could start off at like 10 years old or something. I don't know, but it still feels a bit weird. Know. Yeah, no, it does. It absolutely feels weird, but I'm just, I'm feeling like there's, I don't know. After the outcry last month, 
because that was along the same lines of Damien looking so young. I, you know, and it's a, is it the same artist? Was it Ortega? Last uh, time as well. I don't, I don't remember? remember. I don't remember. Um, so I can look real quick. Um, but yeah, but yeah, this one is the she gets there at the Fortress of Solitude. Justice League's in a site in another dimension, you know, doing Justice League stuff, and um, Trinity uh, or Lizzie gets into Black Mercy, which I thought was really funny. You know, it's almost like getting into the, you know, trying to think of something like the, the the tool the tool chest. You know, you're not supposed to be playing with that stuff, and just the interplay here between Damien and John. I thought was really spot on of, you know, I'll, they keep telling each other when, when this is over, I'm going to kill you, you know, and in a way that only best friends can talk to each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's basically, yeah, she's in a black mercy dream and she's mm-hmm. at like a Coliseum style thing in Themyscira. And there's representations of John and Damien fighting on the battlefield uh, which you know, it, it's basically just her imagining that she's like the the queen in charge, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and they're just fighting under her rule, kind of thing. Uh, but ultimately, they they pull the black mercy off of her, and that's basically yeah, it. That's that's that's, yeah. that's that's the story. Well, and yeah, and like it doesn't sit right with her that she was beating them because those are those are her brothers. Like she has nothing but the most respect for them, which I thought was a nice little twist of that black mercy story right because in the black mercy story they you know it's black mercy giving you what you want to you know feel and see while it you know overtakes your whole body and so for the fact like you know she's like not even sure that's what she wants right um so i like that little wrinkle there yeah Yeah. it was the same artist last time so it was bell and ortega so Huh. Maybe that's just the, the art style. I'm not sure. But it, it is a bit distracting, Damien looking like he's 12 still, when she's supposed to be 13. Yeah, that's it's just a bit weird. Um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, the backup's fine. Like, I don't think it was as good as last time's backup. But yeah. it, it's, you know, it's, it's building up this idea of the relationship between the kids. Uh, so we'll see where it goes, and maybe we'll get some answers as to how the, the ages line up down the line. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, main stories though very very good. Uh, the the run continues to be very strong, even if this was the quieter issue of the of the bunch mm-hmm. uh, for me. But uh, what are you rating Wonder Woman issue four, Matt? I'm gonna give this a solid eight. Uh, I'm I'm happy to go with eight point five. Uh, okay. I still think it's maybe a bit above that level, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's Wonder Woman issue four. Nightwing 109 Legacy 296 Tom Taylor rating with Stephen Byrne on the art. So, uh, we had the last issue end with uh, Bia, is that her name? Uh, B, yeah. Or just B. Uh, getting shot and falling into the water. Nightwing, uh, start of this issue, dives in after her, uh, has his moment of hesitation, but he's able to overcome it and dive in and get her. Uh, we get a, a little flashback to when Alfred tried to train him to basically uh, uh, not first aid per se, but um, yeah, you like know, a field medic, right? Like yeah, emergency. More more extreme, yeah. you know, more extreme than first yeah. aid. He's he's got a dead pig that he's going to try and teach him mm-hmm. to like sew wounds up in and things like that. 
And he's he's not really excited about the prospect, but Alfred's like, no, someone needs to be able to do this. And he's like, yeah, but you'll always be here. So, you know, Taylor's still pulling at those Alfred heartstrings. That one, that line just got me. Because, you know, you'll, you'll be here. Uh, and then just knowing, like, you know, that, that he's been gone, but that Dick has taken up that, you know, the Alfred kind of vibe. It is nice. It's bittersweet. So... That sets up that he knows how to patch up a wound and, you know, we come back and he, he's, he's done that for B. She, she's, I mean, she's, you know, shouldn't be up and walking around, uh, but she does it anyway. And they basically just have to go after her brother. Uh, but the big thing here, honestly, because the, the actual resolution mm-hmm. to the, the the present day action is pretty straightforward. You know, they, they come yeah. and they fight him and they win. You know, there's some big pages of Nightwing jumping down like a pirate and all the mm-hmm. rest of it. The big thing here was more the flashback story to me, which was the explanation um, of how basically before this was Bloodhaven, when this was just uh, New Netherlands, New Netherlands, this basically became a haven led by a Captain Blood, hence the name Bloodhaven. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was a giant monster that this captain fought because it was basically destroying all the ships that were coming in Mm -hmm. and it was destroying the trade uh, you know, system and all that. So this captain killed the monster. This big looking, you know, uh, eldritch Kraken. looking thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah. And then we get a little bit of her backstory: how she became she she was stealing a boat, and she got recruited afterwards. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I for me that was the most interesting part of the issue. I was like them adding this bit of lore to to Bloodhaven history. Yeah. yeah, I like that, and also with her stealing the super yacht and. She was 13 and made it to the Caribbean, and that's why he adopted her. He's like, she sought him out, and it's kind of um, the comparison to Jason Todd I thought was funny. Yeah, also, you know, does this it, does this mean that giant... I mean, because I thought we, I think we just assumed it was a whale, but is it a chance that that skeleton that was in the hold before might actually be the skeleton of this thing? Yeah. I mean, if it's a cephalopod, it's not going to have a skeleton, but I mean... You can, you know, it's a sea monster. Ah, who knows? whatever. It's it's yeah. not a real creature. We can. We yeah, can I know, but I still like creatures to have, you know, unless they are an alien being. I like them to follow biology rules. Uh, but just the idea of the keep being an actual ship, right? Um, I thought that was that was still pretty cool. You know, like it's an actual ship that can be sailed out of there, um, and that's where they they come to what's his name the the captain's kid her brother comes there to do it um only to be defeated uh because of pirate like they they find the you know she's still the captain right like they still serve her uh which i like so that was a very confusing uh, way you said all that but yes i'm sorry because i'm going i'm going through the the um issue as as we're going to refresh um but yeah (laughs) Yeah, I I don't really think I followed, but yeah, the, the Nightwing and uh, B uh, take him on, and we get we get a big page of Nightwing, uh, you know, like that thing, and this is something Redondo did and has been continuing mm-hmm. in the book, which is the the full page where we see the whole fight play out and like all the the mm-hmm. different sort of stages of the fight. It's not different panels; it's just all in one mm-hmm. one big splash. But you see all the different versions of Nightwing and all the different moves, and he's coming down from the top of the ship and then kicking someone overboard at the bottom. It's a uh, you know very fun sequencing, 
Um, and of course, you know, B shows up with all of her, all of her, her pirates that she's broken out of the, the jail cell that we've been held in. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the big thing at the end is we finally get what was in the uh, in the box and the you know what, what was the left there for Nightwing. And it turns out to be a CD-ROM, which is a bit of a blast from the past, to be honest, at this point. Yeah, no kidding, right? But it's security footage. And I guess this makes sense that it's old tech, because this is from when Dick was yep. a kid. Um, but it's basically the security camera footage from the night his parents died, and it's proving that Zuko was there. We see him coming out of the tent, and it's like proof. You know, They've kind of known who it was for a long time, mm-hmm. but this is finally some proof. So... That's yep. what comes up. And it would make sense that that's why he would want it, right? Because um, Zuko, that's what kicked us all off, right? Zuko went to go to the hold because the cause Heartless. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that checks out. Uh, but yeah, I hope I hope B, not that she sticks around, but I like her as a supporting character for Dick because she's he's constantly talking about how bad he feels about how the relationship went, you know? So just the idea that, you know, this is just another network that he's made, you know, because as, as we've seen, that's the one thing that Dick Grayson has that, that has outshined Bruce is his ability to have friends, you know, and it's just the fact that this person, like, now, not that they're even, but she even tells him at the end, like, you know, but if you and your friends find them before we do make them pay, you know, talking about Heartless, um, and then he puts his, his domino mask back on at the end. And I, I just, I really like that sentiment uh, at play for Dick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this pirate bit's been my least favorite part of the run. I'm not really mm-hmm. that fussed about any of it popping up again. I'm sure it will, and it'll feel satisfying that it does because it's part of what the run's built up. But um, I could take or leave seeing B again, to be honest. I, I think it's, yeah. you know, it was mostly tied into an era of Dick that I... I didn't want to read. Um, she even calls him Rick at one point in this issue, yeah. which it makes sense coming from her because that's what she knew him as. But right. I, I would rather just forget that entire time period happened, frankly. So uh, I'm not that fussed about any of that. I mean, I, I think I think it's a well-told enough comic book. Uh, I like the history for Bloodhaven. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see what they do with this, this Zuko stuff going forward now. But I'm glad that we're done with this. Um, it was kind of a... And it wasn't that long a, a tangent. It was, you know, three or four no. issues. But I'm glad that we're done with it now and we can go back to the main story and get into more heartless stuff and mm-hmm. stuff stuff in the city. So um, I, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad this this bit's done. Yeah, no. I think it's funny, too. This is shortly after we've we followed Dick Grayson to hell, right, to get the soul of that girl. Now he's been a pirate. So Taylor's doing some unconventional storytelling, you know, while also still maintaining you know, what makes Dick Grayson work. So I, I applaud him for that one. But yeah, I'm not like, I didn't dislike the pirate stuff as much as you did, uh, but I am glad to get on to, you know, back to the heartless stuff, back to his sister. You I mean, know. I think dislike's um, a, a strong word. I wouldn't say I disliked it. I just don't, I, I just, well, I, I easily liked it less than anything else in the, the run. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know how else to put that, you mm. know, in an easier way. So, yeah, like, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm good. We, we can leave all this stuff behind now. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine <laughs> with that. Uh, backup is... Is it something I read? Oh, I think... Yeah, I, did I? No, I think it did. Yes, yes it's the, Beast World stuff. This is yeah. the Damien Beast World stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, 
yeah, he almost gets infected. He's at the zoo. He turns into a cat at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it also introduces this new character, um, the the green. Uh, what's her name? Ava something. Uh, my name's not important, but I remember Tom Taylor talking about this is her first appearance, and she's going to be in play in the Nightwing book during Beast World. Um, but she's green like Gar, which uh, is is very curious. Uh, just because is there, because he gets his powers, remind me, right? That it was like a blood transfusion gone wrong and he ended up with the, the ability to change and that's why he's green. Uh, that sounds familiar, but to be honest, I don't really remember. (laughs) So just the idea that there's, you know, there might be another one, but she doesn't seem like to be able to, to change. So I'm not sure. She's just, she's bright green. She has a bunch of animal tattoos um and yeah so kind of i don't say not a nothing story but um there's just not much there's just not much to it to be honest and you say she she doesn't seem to be able to change but i don't think there's anything that tells us that one way or the other but she's only on like one page no that's what i mean it's not like because i said she's green like beast boy so i'm assuming a similar set of powers i could be completely off um but i mean the green may also have nothing to do with beast boy I know, but I just, you know, I don't, I also don't, I don't know. It's just, I feel one of those things like, uh, if she's green, if she's surrounded by animals, it's not an accident to make us think of Beast Boy. No, right? I mean, the, the tattoos of the animals are the only thing that makes me think that she's related to Beast, though. Like, there's nothing else really, right. uh, the, the, you know, because there's, there's tons of green characters in comics. Like, the, you know, they're not yeah, all but... Beast Boy related. Yeah, but they're they're either Green Lantern or Swamp Thing, right? And, and with the green, like they they tend to group similar character designs together. Oh, Martian Manhunter's green. Know? He's got nothing to do with any of these characters because yeah, he's an alien though, and he's a shapeshifter. So Green Shapeshifter is still Beast Boy. I don't make the rules. I just, I just point them out. That's got nothing to do with Beast Boy Shop. That's not <laughs> that's not parallel. Uh, no, no, but no. yeah, I know it's Ava something. I just remember, I remember Tom Taylor talking her up on Twitter. So yeah. I mean, she well, may be a great character. There's we'll just, see. but there's nothing to go yeah. on yet. She's on one page. There's, there's very little yeah. to, to to do. The only thing we get here I, is that she puts the spore in mm-hmm. uh, Robin's mouth. Yeah, she seems because what he finds is like the spores aren't going all over Gotham like they are everywhere else. It's almost like Gotham's too quiet. So it almost seems too like she has some kind of of way of manipulating the spores. Because uh, she's holding one, and she's a, she's the one that puts it towards Damien. At the very um, least, it's like she's attracting them to her location. So instead yep. of it spreading throughout the city, they're all kind of congregating Old, in the, uh, the zoo. Where the old zoo. Which is where they're, right. this issue's, or this story's set, I should say. So, right. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, it's whatever. All right, what, what are you rating there, Wing? Um, I'm going to give this a... I'll give this an eight. Yeah, seven for me. It, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's well told. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm glad that this uh, part of the story's done. So, there you go. Mm-hmm. Green Lantern War Journal, issue four. Philip Keddy Johnson writing with Montos on the R. So... Last issue, John Stewart got infected by the uh, Radiant Dead. 
Mm-hmm. Is that what they were called? I always question if I'm yes. getting it right. And it's the Revenant Queen, the Radiant Dead. Revenant Queen, Radiant Dead. Um, yes. So this issue starts off actually on the planet Durla, because this relates to the Green Lantern. Uh, not the one from the other universe. This is the, the one that, um, you know... Varen. Varen, yeah. The one who came down, trash-talked John Stewart a bit, and then got infected in like, issue two. Uh, or the end of issue one, whenever that happened. Uh-huh. So... This basically is like this darling asshole who's a politician who's making this deal mm-hmm. with this woman and saying he's thankful to give a home to all these refugees from this other planet. But it's just all publicity, and he's a complete monster when he starts talking to his peers like behind their backs, and then even drops the baby he was holding for a photo shoot. <laughs> so yeah, they set up that he's they're, they're, they set up that just, he's this he's evil grimy. character, um, mm-hmm. and they're basically there to tell him, hey, that very asshole. Uh, he he's on Earth behind the blockade where he's not meant to be, and mm-hmm. he's like shit. Like that's like one of our biggest. Uh, you know, we 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 control part of our our entire empire because he's the nephew of this other like yep. important dude, right? It it definitely reeks like now that the United Planets are in charge of the Green Lantern Corps, the rings aren't necessarily going to you know the ones that in you know. The, what is it? You have the power. Is it you have great willpower? I forget the full thing. Well, it's I mean, not forget, going to them. Forget the specifics. Like, yeah, the people in charge now are picking who the rings are going to. It's it's, it's going yep. to people via nepotism or via right. uh, politicking that kind of things. That that that's clearly the implication here is that this, this, this you know by all accounts, Varen sounds like he's a trust fund kid who's been handed yep. a green lantern ring. Uh, and given this important position which, because of who his dad is, checks out what happened to him, right? Like, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. So that sets up this. It sets up that so we've got this other player now from the planet Darla who's going to get involved mm-hmm. and possibly come and deal with it. And this is actually some of the best art here. The the, the final yeah. panel of him before it goes to the, the other part of the story is him just like with his hand up to his chin and he's making kind of like a inquisitive face he's like if he's alive we'll have earned his father's gratitude if he's not we find someone to blame so so they're they're coming to find Varen, and that's another problem but introduced into the mix i actually quite like this i think it's interesting because it's hinting at the politics and like the this whole the united planets are controlling the green latin core right now the idea that they're corrupting it and like doing shady things with it based on their own wants and needs is very interesting Mm -hmm. And seems like a political topic that Johnson would probably want to sink his teeth into. So that makes a For lot sure. of sense. Well, and it also feels like there's some more worldy stuff going on there too. You know, like with the type, like um, we had the the one guy that left Warworld. Um, I forget the character's name. He was the one that was the the parent figure to the twins before Clark. Um, the old Kryptonian. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and him going back to the United Planets and, you know, puppeteering certain things. That's there. So what, what do you know about the Durlin race, Pete? I feel put on the Are spot you... here. Not, not that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're um, in, in the future, in the Legion, they, that is Chameleon Boy's species. And RJ Brand, who's the <laughs> Of course I don't founder. know this. What, what were you expecting from just, me? Oh, Chameleon Boy from sh- the Legion. <laughs> I'm just saying, they showed up on Young Justice. I know you've seen Young Justice, so I thought maybe oh, it would ring a bell. True. It's been a while. I've forgotten right? most of what I saw in that, though, but yeah. yes. Fair so, enough. 
Um, these are the because I was like the Durlins, That's shouldn't these guys be um, like shouldn't these guys be shapeshifters? Like that would be, but apparently these are the orange skin Durlin subgroup. Um, and they're so they're their own like they were bottled by Brainiac, and kind of so they're almost kind of like the Kandorians of Krypton to the Durlins that shape change. So I'm not too sure if they can shape change, and maybe that's why you know. They, they have such a different, um, like almost a different society than the Durlins that we have been familiar with. Um, but yeah, I thought that was very interesting to make them Durlins, uh, you know, and I'm sure that Johnson has a, has a reason for it, but seeing their kind of grimy society as it is, at least this one guy, um, I thought was a, a, a nice story plot. Yeah, and then we go to uh, basically inside John's head. They're doing like a, you know, they're in his head trying to like fight off the the radiant dead infection. So in this case, like he's literally making constructs and trying to fight it off inside his brain. Uh, and some of this this art here is pretty good. Uh, this idea that he's making a whole army of green constructs to try and fight this thing inside his mm-hmm. head. But the idea being that it's not working very well and the uh, the Green Lantern here is like Shepard, his name is. He is like, yep. you know, this is the one that's from the other Earth, just in case anyone's forgotten all mm-hmm. this stuff. But he is like, like, this is a lost cause. You're going to turn. We have to just like take care of you because if John Stewart turns, the entire universe is doomed. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, we can still fight this. And this is where the subject of the, the Lantern Rings comes up because... When a lantern's turned, the ring also dies, right? The, the ring is mm-hmm. taken from the grid. It's not part of the system anymore. It's not connected to the battery. It won't find a new host. So, which makes it almost kind of a darker thing even that this is happening because it stops the chain yeah. of the, the ring going to find someone. But yep. John's like, wait, have you got one of the rings of the, those lanterns that the Radiant Dead mm-hmm. were wearing? And he's like, yeah, I've got one here. I was going to burn it. He's like, no, we can do something with that. So they go back to Steelworks and he's talking to to John Henry about okay, can we you know connect this to an energy source? Uh, particularly here, they're talking about using the Genesis uh, fragment to power it, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, can we do something with this? And John sure starts turning right, the radiant dead spreading all up his side and his his face and all that. So he's starting to turn. Shepherd's ready to just kill him because like this is too dangerous, yeah. and this is where. The Genesis energy hits the ring. It, it basically John Stewart goes to grab it and touch it as he's turning into a zombie, and we go back inside his main place or the main place of the ring or the Radiant Dead main place, wherever this mm-hmm. abstract place is, and he's wearing the ring, and basically by connecting to the ring, like he's he's connected to the Radiant Dead because effectively what he's seeing is that the shared network of the Radiant Dead. Yeah inside this place and we get a lot of nice art here as it's showing that but when he comes back if he, he fights the whatever monster it is that's in here um this is the mm-hmm. it's not the queen but it's like the it's like the it's um the, it is varin it's varin varin yeah. finds him and he's like all tentacly so it's not like you know the varin that we've seen um, he's a little well, yeah, because it's not literally him. It's it's not the physical right. him. It's you know this is inside the the the, the mm-hmm. network, if you will. So yep. John Stewart sort of stands off against him, and when he comes back out into the real world, the green smoke clears, and for the first time in the series, he's wearing his Green Lantern outfit. You know, 
uh-huh. with a few updates it's got a couple of little design touches on it there's like a sort of black mm-hmm. line going through it but it's you know it's this the john shirt look and it's like oh shit he's got a ring again and it's this ring that he's sort of rehabilitated from the radiant dead uh so it ends in kind of this triumphant moment this grateful prayed spread of him holding his hand up and the the green lightning coming from him um so yeah i mean this this is the issue of how he kind of becomes a green lantern again almost um Mm -hmm. obviously he did have lantern powers before without a ring but this is him it it kind of it's kind of a neat idea that he takes a ring that was written off as a lost cause mm-hmm. and he's like, no, it's not a lost cause. I can fix this. I can rehabilitate mm-hmm. it. And that's what he's done. We here. have the technology. We can rebuild him. You know, to borrow from $6 million man. Uh, but what I do like here is... Show, the, show the, your the, age there with that reference a bit, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Um, so I like the, the dynamic between Steel and him. Because when they're looking over the Genesis fragment and Steel's just like, this thing, it's like technology, but the technology is so, like, advanced that it, like, it taps into your your emotional state and philosophical beliefs and the circuitry. So, you know, it's almost like it's magic. And so John's like, so you you think we can, you know, fix it? You know? And and just the look that, that... john uh, henry gives him is like oh no we're going to do it i thought that was a nice you know moment of levity and in some of the story that's gotten pretty dark um and then just what um just the idea that john's able without the ring to to harness green energy to like create a doppelganger of his sister right for his mom now that he has his ring like he's we're approaching like Hal Jordan levels of willpower, right? And I think that's really cool for John Stewart as the whole like giving him the 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 name of like the master builder and that type of stuff because you get that from Shepard, you know, just referring to him as his names in the other place. Like it gives John this this bigger significance, um, and I, I like that Johnson's doing that because it's similar to kind of what he did with Superman in Warworld, right? He he started like. He's this familiar concept of, of a character that we know and love. And he's just building on it and bringing out these aspects that were already there. It's just what Johnson's choosing to spotlight. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's... Um, I think the idea that the, 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 the idea that this ring even has green energy now is probably coming more from John than it is like... You mm-hmm. know, he's getting power from, from the Genesis stuff, but I feel like the fact that it's mm-hmm. the, the green willpower is probably coming yeah. from him because he already had that in him. He naturally was right. outputting that. But the big thing here at the end, though, is that because this ring was connected to the Radiant Dead, there's still a connection to it. So he's like, okay, let's go and find them. Like, yeah. I, I can track mm-hmm. them now because I, we're connected to them. Yeah. So uh, maybe there'll be consequences to that uh, down the line. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But I, I could see some, some potential there. Um, I think it's interesting, though, because it feels like, okay, we've, we've solved this issue of, of John turning and the fact that he was able to overcome it maybe then suggests, can we teach other lanterns to overcome it? Yeah. Uh, is that something we can do? Because yeah. that's the thing, that the Radiant Dead specifically targets Green Lanterns. It specifically targets... Yeah. Um, now, that's not to say that it can't target other lanterns as well, but certainly what we right. know so far is that it targets Green Lanterns. Maybe there's an well, interesting... It's almost, 
Maybe, maybe there's an interesting pivot at some point where it does target yeah. a different color and maybe there's different mm-hmm. effects because it is a red lantern or a yellow or a whatever. So Right. Or maybe whatever cause of the radiant it only works when it based off of willpower. Right? So that's why they go after Green Lanterns. Or maybe it's personal to the Queen. Right? There's a reason she's only going after Green Lanterns. You know? Uh, that's all play. But I also like when he's in that mind space of the Radiant Dead and he's talking to Varen. And he's like, you were never cut out for this. You're a killer, maybe, but you're not a fighter. And you were never a Green Lantern. I thought that was such a good moment. Because especially knowing, uh, finding out from the early part, like, he was a nepotism hire, right? Like, he was never cut out to be a Green Lantern. So it's almost like they've created a a perfect storm for the Radiant Dead to take over the core. Because there's these so many, I mean, Varen can't be the only one that's like that, right? Yeah, you'd assume not, yeah. You know, so... It's the most idea of these people that aren't aren't ready for the responsibility of being a Green Lantern, and it's created a perfect storm now that you know that John Stewart and Lantern Shepard and his little crew he's assembled here has to push back against. Uh, and I just like this as a kind of a reset for the Green Lantern mythos too, because if the power's coming directly from uh, from John or from Hal, like we're reading in Green Lantern. That's kind of Torchbearer Kyle Rayner type of stuff too. Well, actually, right? I was thinking about it. Like, what if the reason why... Because both Hal and John, to some extent, were having powers without mm-hmm. having proper rings. Like, I know Hal kind of made his own ring. John just mm-hmm. flat out didn't have a ring. I mean, what if the idea is... And I don't know if they're going this way, but what if the idea is that now the United Planets are in charge and they're just handing out rings mm-hmm. to whoever they choose... What if the idea here is is that the battery itself is still connecting to the people who are actually like supposed to have the rings because they're yeah. actually connected because they're the right people for the job, um, right. and that's why some of our classic lanterns are are still finding they have connections to the power even yeah. if they technically shouldn't have because they don't have the rings. It makes me wonder if we do eventually bring in some of the others and see if they still have yeah. connections to the green ball power energy. Mm-hmm. You know, I I guess yeah. I'm doing something with that. Well, because that makes sense, because, again, that's where I was getting with the Kyle Rayner Torchbearer stuff, right? When, like, he was the only Green Lantern and all the, you know, all the the green willpower energy lied within him, you know, and he had to go help restart the the core. That was that first miniseries, right? It was Recharge. You know, it was kind of similar to the vibe of of Jon Stewart here. So uh, I just like also how it's redefining Green Lantern, but also playing off of not things that we've seen before, but uh, stuff that's a little bit familiar. Um, and it's just a, it's a real fun read, too. The art here, just the, the coloring with the purple and the green, like they complement each other so well. Um, like this page with when uh, when John's in that, that hive mind of the Radiant Dead, and he has like the only green energy there, and he just sticks out. It looks really good. And then the the green energy here too at the the last two pages, uh, that that culminates with the let's go hunting. Just it's so bright and vivid, and you know, um, it makes it feel like it's coming off the page, like it's actual energy. So I, I give this you know artistic team credit too. Yeah, well, I've made this choice to have it be mostly white light with a green outline. Mm-hmm. This idea it's so bright in the mm-hmm. middle that the color stops being even yeah. perceptible. Uh, that makes it feel really bright. Um, I, I mm-hmm. love the art in the opening scene. Actually, I think all the stuff with the the, the politician on the planet. I, I feel like yeah. all of that stuff where the expressions are so good, and obviously it's a very yeah. alien face, but obviously the humanoid features of it really sing and tell the story of 
how much of a seedy little bastard he is. Um, make, make sure what you see him get come up and quite quickly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, not very good. What are you rating uh, War Journal issue four? I'm going to an 8.5. Yeah, I think I'm 8.5 on this as well. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Johnson is not disappointing. I'm glad this is going, at least since his action comics runs uh, coming to an end, seemingly. I know. I don't. <sighs> I don't want to think about it. Yeah, yeah. Makes me uh, sad. All right. Batman Superman World's Finest 22. Mark Wade rating with Dan Mora on the art. Last issue, of course, uh, our, our, our pair were in this alternate Earth, the Kingdom Come universe. And David, or Thunderman as he was going by, uh, basically says they're lying and that they're evil imposters. So that world, Superman and Batman, uh, fought them a little bit then their justice league came after them and that's kind of where we picked this issue up is that we get uh them fighting the justice league including some people that are kind of new that aren't doppelgangers of mm-hmm. anyone that they know you know batman points that out uh there's a few things to talk about in this issue i think the the big thing is we get a lot more context for gog uh we get you know when batman and superman are eventually captured by the justice league and they're throwing some cells uh, they're in the same cell as Metron, and it mm-hmm. seems that Gog's using Metron's chair, and that Metron, uh, you know, tells the story of who Gog is, and that he comes from before, you know, the gods that were before the new gods. There was Gog and the others around them, and the creation of Apocalypse and and you know, uh, new, new Genesis, Genesis. That all comes from from after his time. Uh, or during his time even, and then Gog kind of ended up landing on prehistoric Earth and, you know, grew up during that, befriended Metron, but then eventually stole Metron's chair <laughs> and has uh-huh. been plotting. Because uh, it, it was basically when Metron showed him the multiverse existed, that really, you know, he basically, he just thought about that for about 10,000 years until he finally decided what he wanted yep. to do. Uh, so it turns out what he's doing is that he's been building up the heroes on this Earth to build an army to eventually go and do the ascension. What is the ascension? The ascension is to kill mm-hmm. Darkseid and take Apocalypse. Um, but the big thing at the end is, is that he intends this to be a suicide mission. He wants all mm-hmm. of the heroes to die, uh, as well as all of Apocalypse. So that's his big master plan, and he's co-oxing David and, into all of it. That, honestly, the biggest surprise for me was David actually being regretful this issue. He admits to, yeah. to Gog, oh yeah, I'm lying to everyone about this Batman and Superman, and Gog's like, no, it must be done, my child, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised by that, because I, I thought he was There's... just being evil, but he's not fully evil yet. I mean, he becomes no, Magog it... in this issue. He gets the outfit, he gets the, the horns yeah. and all that. But He he becomes that ends justifies the means kind of guy, right? So, you know, he doesn't want to lie to everybody, but he, you know, he trusts in, in Gog. Uh, and I think that's that, that's also knowing what Magog stood for in the original Kingdom Come, kind of those those grim and gritty 90s heroes. You know what I mean? That's what Wade was basing them off of. So to have him here but be almost kind of regretful about, you know, that too, I think is a curious piece of storytelling. The whole thing with Gog and his origin, I just, knowing what I know about the fourth world and Jack Kirby and what he based all that on and the whole idea that there was a third world and that was kind of the, what we think of as, uh, of like the mythologies, right? So you see, it's, it's almost Norse 
in the art that you see like this this mm. character almost looks like thor he's got the the hammer and they they talk about valhalla it was what was it called Un, uh urgrund and uh, they were the then gods of the third world and then when that got destroyed so if you know anything about norse mythology the whole ragnarok the entire you know story starts again only this time there was two planets now and that's where we get new genesis and um and apocalypse and just the idea of, you know, Wade playing in that Kirby sandbox to go into the, well, the reason that Darkseid always wants to take out Earth is because the Earth is meant to become the fifth world, right? And that they, they're almost a a threat to, to what he wants to do in finding the anti-life. So just the idea that Gog's going to take these people, you know, from this Earth and attack Darkseid just playing into that whole entire mythos, I think is, is really fun storytelling. Um, and again, it, it's continuing kingdom come in a satisfying way, you know, cause it's also, it's Wade commenting on comics come almost as a whole, you know? Yeah. Uh, although it's not continuing technically, it's a, a prelude to, to kingdom yeah, come. Yeah, but, but yes. So, well, yeah, Seagull's a, a wrong word for it. It's a, you know, as I guess you say like a spiritual, successor right mm. and that so because it's playing with a lot of those same themes of what legacy is and you know like who you know who when our heroes fall right who's left you know and, and here it it's like well yeah if if gog's leading the suicide mission on apocalypse is that just gonna leave him right because is he in the final art of that no because it's magog you know, so so what's he going to rule? You know, once once he leads a suicide mission, because um, there'll be no survivors. Uh, but yeah, it's very. I, I'm liking where this is going. Uh, wasn't wasn't expecting to get Metron in this. That's for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other big thing here, of course, is that this Earth's Batman and Superman eventually come round because the Batman's mm. like. How did they know he was called David if they're lying? And questions mm-hmm. that there could be a multiverse. And then there, it reveals after a little bit uh, that the Batman from this Earth bugged our Batman. And our mm-hmm. Batman knew he was bugged, but he let it go because he wants, yeah, let, let them hear us. Let, let them hear what we're talking mm-hmm. about because then, you know, they'll, they'll see that we are who we say we are kind of thing. And sure enough, mm-hmm. they've heard this backstory that Metron's told them in the cell. So at the end of the issue, like the, the Batmans and the Supermans are teaming up and they're in shock when Metron says that this this thing, that this ascension is one big suicide mission. He doesn't want mm-hmm. to win. He wants everyone to die. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I suspect that, that, you know, Gog, whatever his plans are after that, like, mm-hmm. I mean, who can say? He'll, he'll probably build something else up. Um but, well, that's what I mean. It's like he's almost subverting the fifth world. Like, is he going to try to bring back the third world? Right? Is he going to let this push past? Like, you know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, but, maybe, maybe, you know, he see, end, maybe he sees himself as the fifth world. He sees himself right? as being the leader of that. I don't know. Right. Uh, and just Dan Moore's art here, like these last couple pages, everything's in shadow. Right? Like, he does so much with negative space. Um,. Just like the darkness on on Metron's face, as he's explaining that, that it's a suicide mission, really really good stuff. And then 
um, older Superman uh, with with the gray temples. He just seems bigger than our Superman. Like it's, I know he's like he's probably not, but just the way that he's drawn, and it draws the focus onto this gigantic S on his chest. You know, um, it just yeah, it makes him feel larger than life when he's meeting our Superman. Here's a question you know, actually I've got talking. actually. Um, mm-hmm. When Metron's talking about like the ascension, he wants to go beyond mm-hmm. the speed force wall, beyond the bleed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, these are concepts that have been talked about a lot recently in DC yep. events. Um, he wants to have a war on Apocalypse, right? And we get that big full page spread of the, the mm-hmm. war on Darkseid. Does Apocalypse and New Genesis exist outside the multiverse where it's always the same ones? Yes. That's yeah. the thing? Is yeah, okay. that yeah, because... Darkseid and High Father and all of those, the new gods, are singular beings, right? There's not multiple versions. Although that might be broken now considering what the state of the multiverse is, because if that's the case, Deceased doesn't make any sense, right? Because Darkseid became a zombie. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, Because well, so... I, I, I feel like other multiverse stories have not treated it that way, but the way he was talking here definitely gave me the impression that yeah. this is just the the one dark side, the one high father, mm-hmm. the one, you know, apocalypse it's... that yeah. is beyond, beyond the, you know, the, the speed force wall, the, the bleed, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But what's weird about that, though, is that it feels like whenever Darkseid and co are in mm-hmm. stories... It feels like getting to Darkseid, or getting, sorry, getting to Apocalypse and stuff is yeah. relatively easy. Mm-hmm. But it feels like going, pa- going into the bleed and going past the, 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 the barrier. That feels yeah. like it's oh, the edge of the universe, and that's the thing we never pass through. Mm-hmm. But it feels like we're going yeah, back and to- It feels like we're going back and forwards to Apocalypse quite easily, depending on the story we're reading, which is why that part feels weird to me. Yeah, so in this context here, right, this is a. This is a, a Batman and Superman that have never experienced the multiverse, right? That's what it, it said early on. Uh-huh. Um, right? So it, it seems like a Herculean task from this perspective. But as we know, we've read all these stories at this point. So it's one of those, not zero hour, what's the, what's the time, the hyper time kind of adjustments that, that's made here. Um, but... I'm judging it based off of Gog and Metron looking at the map of the multiverse that we're all familiar with, that Morrison created, that has, you know, where the Orrery is and the, you know, the realm of the gods and and all of that type of stuff. And maybe that's not, you know, this is a past story. So maybe that's not after Infinite Frontier and whatever. That's not the case anymore. Um, but... But yeah, I think for ours, for Earth Zero, it's not that big of a deal, right? We have boom tube technology. That's why how they can go back and forth between Apocalypse and New Genesis and, you know, all of that. Here, I don't think they have that, right? So this is like – so this would be the cyborg of this Earth doesn't have the dark side technology because you would assume, right, that they haven't ran into dark side yet? Is that what they're saying here? Uh, Possibly. I mean, this all sounds very convoluted the way you're describing it. The mm-hmm. easier solution to my question would probably be that Apocalypse and New Genesis are in Universe Zero. That's where they are. So for other universes, getting to Apocalypse does mean going through the barrier and the source wall and through the bleed because you yeah, have to go because you have to go into the main universe that, to get to it. But but that but that cracks the map though too that they're looking at here because they are firmly outside of that realm. 
of the Earth Zero, right? Because Earth Zero is at the center of the Ori, right? And then outside of the Ori, that's where New Genesis and Apocalypse are. Okay, that, well, fair enough. But my, my yeah. issue here is that it seems far too easy to go to and from Apocalypse in most comics in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. then say it's beyond the source wall when a big mm-hmm. part of a lot of the events of the last 10 years have been, oh, the source wall is acting up, something's coming from the source wall. Like, it right, doesn't... but not on Earth 20. But see, I would say not on Earth 22. They they haven't discovered that yet, right? That hasn't got that, that, to that, them. That's irrelevant. That doesn't matter. That doesn't affect what I'm saying at all. I'm saying, why is it so easy for the characters? Because. Before we were talking about source walls and mainline continuity, mm-hmm. people were boom tubing back and forwards to apocalypse and whatnot. I'm just saying, apocalypse and New Genesis don't feel like they're so hard to get to that they're beyond the source wall to me in mainline continuity. Yeah, let me see. So maybe they're just a slip by Wade, right? Because the source wall is supposed to be the thing that keeps the multiverses apart, right? Because that's where they have the big giants. And stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so I remember this from that Snyder story, whatever one that was. Yeah, from one of the the medals. Infinite Frontier. No, it wasn't that, was it? Yeah. It was, uh. That was Williamson. No, it was. Yeah, yeah. So, no, but it just says beyond the speed force wall, beyond the bleed. It doesn't say anything about the source wall. So, they're just saying that it exists beyond the bleed, which is the realm. But the bleed's the space between space, right? And the speed force wall, I don't... That's never factored into... Well, I guess it does for multiverse, because the Flash is going to jump between. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I read speed force wall as source wall, yeah. and that's why I'm, yeah. I'm hanging up on this. But it just it felt like... Because you, you're, you're making sense, because there shouldn't be... Beyond the source wall is a big mystery, right? That's yeah, the that's, that's, yeah, that's exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get what you're saying there, but what I got hung up on is I don't think Apocalypse and New Genesis are beyond the source wall. Yeah. Okay. Because the source is where Highfather draws his power from. I, I, I guess part of the problem here is that it's so inconsistent in the comics how they handle it. Yeah. But a lot of comics make it feel like Dark's, uh, Apocalypse and uh, New Genesis are just planets. Yeah. You can just go to them yeah. like you can any other planet. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like in a lot of comics. Yeah. So no, it I, does. Yeah, I don't know. I, it, weird to me. Uh, people... I understand. You're not crazy. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I just don't have a concise answer because I don't think they necessarily do right now. Right? I just... I. It was under my understanding from the time that multiverse became a thing, like the multiversity book and when they rewrote the map of, of the multiverse, is that new, Apocalypse and New Genesis are singular are singular places. There's not a apocalypse one, like there's an earth one and an earth two. Right. So like the Justin danger street, right. That Orion is the same Orion that inter interacts with, you know, all the different versions, all the different multiverse versions, which, which seems like it doesn't, but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Right. Yeah. But uh, it's all uh, but even that's kind of weird though. Cause it's like, okay, so why is dark side always messing with the main Superman? Well, yeah. <laughs> like right. he's really right. focused on earth zero Superman. He's not really paying attention to all the other ones. Right. Well, and and so that comes from because earth zero, whatever happens there, that's like the keystone earth. Right? Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm poking, yeah. I'm poking holes because I got you. it feels inconsistent uh, in a lot of ways. Hey, and I'm just, 
Mark, Mark Wade, if if you're some this somehow gets to you, come on the show and explain it to us, please. <laughs> I feel like please. Mark Wade likes to go back to old school ways and like old school continuity, mm-hmm. and sometimes yeah. maybe it doesn't link up entirely with what the actual books have been doing for the last little while. True, but then again, why draw? Why have Dan Moore draw that map in there? That's been the the thing of the last ten years. You know, just don't have him do that. I, I don't know. I, like, I, I just I, the the question arose in my head as they were talking about this, and yeah, um, I just uh, and again, it's a good question. Like, I'm not patronizing you or anything. It's something I didn't think of, right? Because um, I'm just saying, like, oh, Gog's trying to create, you know, he's he's trying to do this ascension, whatever's in it for him. I'm I'm more concerned about what's in that for him. Like, suddenly, why is he leading a death cult? You know, yeah. It also raises the question of like, okay, well, if he takes Apocalypse and then what? Magog's left over. Is he going to try and invade all of the universes then and control mm-hmm. them all? Since you know, I don't, I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah, I, but again, she's also trying to make this fit into Kingdom Come, right? That that's a whole other thing as well. Yeah. So, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. uh, th- this was a very entertaining read. I enjoyed the backstory yeah. as it was set out. I I like where it's going. I particularly like the uh, the Metron story. Um, you know, I like I, I think all of it worked. I like the the logic of the Batman and Superman sort of coming to terms with trusting mm-hmm. the main versions. I think yeah. all, all those things were a lot of fun to get through. Um, we were just debating some uh, it, big scope DC I nonsense. Thought- yeah, as they say on the internet, this is nerd shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, we're, we're getting is, caught up yeah. in we're getting caught up in the tangles. Well, that's uh, the thing. This, like what's said know? in this book is fine mm-hmm. in a vacuum. It's only an issue because I'm I'm thinking about every yeah. other version that's ever been said that I can remember mm-hmm. in my head. So, yeah. yeah. Um. Anyhow. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what are you rating, Batman Superman? Um, finest? I'm gonna give us a seven. This is a pretty fine read. The art's fantastic by Moore, as usual. Like, I feel like that's, you know, Waters Wyatt, Dan Moore, art good at this point. So, but yeah, seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that seems about right. I would say, I may even go 7.5. Uh, so, there you go. That's uh, World's Finest. Batman Off World, issue two. Jason Aaron writing with Doug Mankey on the art. So... Issue one set up that Batman went off to train against these various aliens on the other side of the universe because mm-hmm. an alien showed up on Gotham and he didn't know how to fight it. So that's off what he's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. He's on this, this ship where he's effectively a prisoner slash slave who has been forced mm-hmm. to do dangerous... Uh, like it's, They're clearing like the engines and like the, the walkways outside the ship and stuff uh-huh. like that. Which, the, the term take them for a spacewalk and then they just shove them out in space with no, with nothing. <laughs> God, so cruel. Like, again, it makes sense. This comes from Jason Aaron. Yeah. You know? Well, that, that comes up after, uh, yeah, like basically, basically Batman's keeping everyone alive. Cause they're, they're so used to when people are going out to clear debris, they're used to like X mm-hmm. number of like the percentage of people that Casualties. they send out. 
yeah, they're used to people dying every time. But Batman mm-hmm. points out that most people don't survive two trips. He's he's had five, <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's basically keeping the others alive and showing kindness. Yep. And this is like, wait a minute, our cells are getting too too full here. We have to start just killing people to get rid of them. Uh, but. Yeah, the whole thing shows that Batman's not only been training with this robot that they set up last issue, he's training up with uh, Ion, the uh, the Tamaranian that mm-hmm. he's kind of... I mean, befriending might be a strong word, but um, she certainly... Frenem- yeah. yeah, can you befriend your frenemy? That's kind of, you know... Yeah, but she, she's you know being drunk and giving him pointers and saying yeah, that robot won't teach you shit. So she ends up training with them as well and showing, you know, okay, for this particular alien, you want to like, grab the tusk because that'll really freak yep. him out and hurt him uh so then it cuts back to what he was doing which was the alien was fighting him and he he knocks off one of his uh one of his tusks and mm-hmm. the alien will be like, oh my god where's my tusk i need my tusk so basically he's doing what he said he'd do last issue he's he's starting yep. to show them they should fear the batman right that's the the whole idea mm-hmm. um and sure enough so it intercuts between him training with her and him fighting this alien in the present day part of the story um and yeah uh so that's that's like the first half of the issue and then he's in a cell with her afterwards because she also got into trouble for fighting and they're uh you know getting ready to start the plan she she also tells a little bit of her backstory how she she turned from being a bounty hunter to being someone who tries to save the prisoners because she kind of fell in love with one of them and to the point where she still turned them over like she was supposed to like this guy was a bounty and she turned them Mm -hmm. in but she had feelings for him, and she went back to try and find him later and found out that he died almost instantly. And mm-hmm. so that guilt has led her to like st- trying to save the prisoners on this ship. So, uh, yeah, so we're building up her character a little bit, giving her some mm-hmm. reasons to be an ally to Batman. Um, but we get this big prison escape, and probably the heart of the story is that Batman trains the robot to go and cause a distraction and turn mm-hmm. off the because we, we, we learned this last time that the ship has like a like a, an artificial storm around it that sort of yeah. disguises yeah. it and you know makes it uh difficult to like get to yeah mm-hmm. it makes it this sort of like barrier to get through and the robot goes and picks a fight with the aliens in the cockpit and turns off this thing but the big heart of the issue is that even though Batman's ready to leave with the Tamaranian and the other prisoners, he goes off to save the robot. And Ioni's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, like it's just a robot. Just come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just leave. And Batman encounters one of the aliens with the, the horns that he was learning to fight. Uh, the that was the Icarians. Yeah. And so he tries to hold his own and he loses, right? He's not ready to fight one of these guys yet. Uh, yeah. this, this is the one that showed up on, well I don't know if it's literally the same one but it's the same species yeah. that showed up on Earth Similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so he gets thrown out of space he's dying, he's in a vacuum and like his mm-hmm. narration is like yep I'm losing breath I'm about to freeze to death and suffocate and it's all pretty much doomed but the heart of the issue is that the robot who's dying right now has hooked uh-huh. up to a panel and has sent out a, an automated like pod to rescue Batman and as he's dying, says, thank you for teaching uh, me how to punch back. Right? He's oh never punched God. back. And I was like, oh, man, for for all the kind of like, oh, the, the tough Batman talking this, where he's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. show them. I'm going to remind them. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, 
we get to the end of this issue and it's like, oh no no, he was treating this robot like he's new Robin, <laughs> and this robot. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. But- Punchbot is proto Robin, you and know. As he's dying, he's saving Batman's life. Uh, it, it's such a great little uh, thing. Um, I was actually really surprised that we got off the ship by the end of this issue. You know, Batman. Yeah, me too. He's crashed on a, another planet or a moon or something, um, and he's helping this alien tribe who have been scared because these wolves have been coming out and killing them every night. So Batman's mm-hmm. like, "I'll deal with the wolves." So the end of this issue is Batman going to this cave and fighting this like really mean-looking alien wolf. <laughs> yeah this is the uh, feast ends here which is kind of badass yeah you know he's yeah um, so yeah it's going full batman's larger than life he's you know he's like yeah i may be i may not be at gotham but i'm i'm still home because i'm still helping people i'm still fighting the mm-hmm. bad guys kind of thing uh yeah doug Mankey's art's very good um yep. his bat ears are maybe a touch short at times for my taste but you know it's mm-hmm. nothing, nothing too extreme uh, yeah, but on that that last page where where he says the feast ends here, they they get bigger, but it's almost like it's almost because he's becoming a monster himself. Like we're you know we're looking straight on him, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, there's something I noticed. Yeah, uh, uh, I want to ta- talk about Ione or Ione, whatever her name, however you pronounce it, the Tamaranian. How she's essentially the anti-Starfire. Yeah, sure. Is she, right? So she came, her backstory is, you know, she's from Tamaran. It was to- tropical paradise. The air smelled like perfume. Everything shimmered. Everyone was a hugger, drop-dead gorgeous. And I couldn't wait to get the hell off. <laughs> so she goes and becomes a bounty hunter and almost embraces the complete opposite of that until she falls in love with that prisoner that ends up dying real quick. Uh, and I just think that's such a, you know, Batman hasn't met Starfire yet, right? Like, this is an early Batman still. You know, so is this going to inform his views on Tamaranians later, right? Is he going to be shocked that Starfire mm. is so different, you know? Uh, and, and that type of stuff. And then her whole thing, too, of, you know, you don't, you don't, Use you don't use lethal weapons. You don't drink. You don't do any of this. You picked the wrong galaxy to come to, man. Just like her whole vibe there. So I hope this is not the last we see of her. I hope she's a a character still. I hope she comes and finds Batman. Oh, I'm sure. You know, like, I, yeah, I think you know? she, she's been set up too much to not pop up again. Yeah. This story. I I don't think she's going to be gone for long. I think yeah. she'll be back pretty quickly. But I mean, shocker, me me, you know, uh, instantly taking to the Tamaranian, right? Uh, but. But yeah, no, this was this was a fun one. Like, just the heart with Punchbot. Like when he goes in there and he gets shot, I gasped. Like for real, I was very sad for Punchbot. Uh, and then to see him plug in and send out the pod to save Batman when Batman's you know on the brink of death. Uh, just really good storytelling. Yeah, it's it's surprising me how much I'm liking it. Not because I doubted Jason Aaron, but just because the concept mm-hmm. isn't inherently mm-hmm. what I typically want from a Batman story. Yeah. It probably helps with the Batman's got like four other comics that are all doing good Batman yeah. stories on their own. Not the main book. But, yeah. Uh, no. I'm thinking. Uh, it's I, also I, kind of Batman's War World. I feel too. I know? could I could see that in a way. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he's he's learning to deal with these diff like this completely different society. He can't approach it like he normally would. You know, he so he has to make these adjustments. Um, and so I, I like that those come into play where like Punchbot doesn't understand he can fight back. 
So Batman not being part of that culture, part of that society is, you know, showing the other people that, that yeah, you know, he can be the symbol, which is what Batman always set out to be, right? Yeah, this idea that he's tr- trying to instill, in the same way that Superman was trying to convince like mm-hmm. the ways of Superman on the people of War World, the War Zones, and mm-hmm. inspire them to be hopeful. This is Batman mm-hmm. getting into a seedy part of the universe that is full of nothing but, like, you know, criminals, slavers, and villains, yeah. and it's like, no, they need to learn to fear. They, they need to learn to fear mm-hmm. the Batman, and that's... They're, they're too proud. They need to be knocked down a pig, and yeah. I'm the guy to do it. So... You know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a really fun progression so far, and mm-hmm. I do think Ione, or Ione, yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah. I do think she is an interesting new character that is kind of his space Selena Kyle, almost, in a, in a way. Yeah, because they are very direct opposites, and she's almost kind of like, oh, wow, you're quaint. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I hope she shows back up, I hope it's not a long time. Do we know how many this is out of? Is this a eight issue? Is it 10, 12? I, I can't remember. Um, does it say in the cover, maybe? Uh, it does not. It just no. says number two. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. it'll, it'll be at least six, I would expect. But, yeah. Um, I don't remember. Well, it only goes to four on League of Comic Geeks. Well, that's because um, that's all that's been solicited, probably. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But no, this is a lot. A lot like, I didn't want to read another Batman book. But then, you know, uh, Jason Aaron got me. Then it's Monkey on the Art, and I was like, okay. And now it's, like, thoroughly looking forward to it. Like, this was, this was one, another one that I waited till later to read, so. Yeah, uh, this was solid. I, it's the sort of thing where the premise wasn't initially speaking to me, but the craft mm-hmm. is so strong that I was just super yep. into it, uh, you know. And I said that pretty much in issue one, but I think in issue two, mm-hmm. because I came in this time just sort of knowing what I was getting into, that I was able to just sort of enjoy it quicker than I was before. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, good. What are you giving a Batman Off-World issue two? Um, I know this is a solid eight. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Eight out of ten. Uh, having a good time. Mm-hmm. All right. Jay Garrick, The Flash, issue three. Jeremy Adams writing with Diego Oliturgi on the R. So, this is fleshing out the Elemental Man. Is that what he's called? The villain? Mm-hmm. Or Dr. Elemental? Is it Dr. Elemental? Yeah, Dr. Be. Elemental. Um, so, we get another example of the JSA fighting him back in the 40s during World War II. And the thing that this sort of reveals, other than just the fact that he can just make elements uh, kind of like a, like a firestorm meets a metamorpho kind of thing, um, yeah, because he, he makes it, like it's very much like that. He makes like wood to fight uh, Green Lantern, for example. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern specifically, whose weakness yep. is wood. So it says, "Okay, so he's he's pretty tough. He can do this." But the big thing here is that Judy pops up and punches him, and then Jay's like, "Oh, that's my daughter who keeps coming back in time from the future." And I'm like, "Wait, hold on." The future as in a few years after she's born, like in this time period, or the uh-huh. future from present day. Because that's a pretty big difference, and I'm not sure what it is. I got so confused why she was there. Because at first <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Judy. Wait, no, she's supposed to be around in the 60s. Not not the 40s. Yeah, she, she, she's traveling yeah. back in time from the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so the, one of the things they explored uh, with Jay in the present day stuff is that he, all the memories of, of her... Or, or yeah, when she came back, that also triggered the memories of Doctor Elemental, who he hadn't remembered, mm-hmm. which implies that they're tied so 
much together. And they don't even suggest that Doctor Elementals like vanished and came back when Judy did. It's all just all, yeah. all more just like because she was gone, he was just lying in wait until she was back again before he mm-hmm. started to. Because we've not seen him in present day, but the Robo Uh-oh. Bear from last issue was something that was tied to him. So they speculate yep. that he is back in some form, but we don't know for sure yet. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously we're building up to something uh, a lot of this stuff in the flashback as well which is a lot of the issue is like she tornado arms to try and fly up and Jay tornadoes her up from below to make her like yeah. fly up to the, uh, the the plane that Dr. Elemental's in because he's trying to run away in a plane mm-hmm. and they use their powers to get up to him uh, and that's kind of fun but um, so I guess if you want to critique it for being like half the issue mm-hmm. in fact maybe even just slightly more than half mm-hmm. is this flashback uh like I, I can see why you maybe would have a problem with that if you want to just keep the main story going um but yeah so we come to present day and they're talking about the robo bear and dr elemental and what could be going on uh but they go to terrific because the the other the, the terrific related super kids that the uh star girl mm-hmm. rescued from the island uh yep. are there and they've got some fancy tech because they believe that Judy saw the face of Dr. Elemental before she disappeared. And she can't remember it, but they've got tech to sort of recover memories and see like an image of it. So that's what they do. They, they hook her up to their device and they look at her last memory and they see the, the character. And I'm glad they explained this because I would not have known this uh, had Jay not yep. said it. Uh, but he recognizes who this guy is. It's this guy with a mustache. He says, that's Professor Hughes. Mm-hmm. It's the man responsible for Jay becoming the Flash. So uh, next issue, we're getting the origin of Jay Garrick and Judy and Dr. Elemental. So we're, yeah, we're getting like a lot of the, the lore of of the of Jay and Judy being filled out, seemingly. Um, yeah. uh, and I guess maybe that's why the choice was made to have the flashback be this big action-packed section because they knew mm-hmm. the present-day story was going to be mostly just people talking yep. and ending with this cliffhanger. So I, I get the logic of it, uh, but that, that's what the, the issue is. How did you feel about this one? So so I liked it. Um, I liked it. Uh, it seems like Adams is continuing some of the threads that he had that are about, you know, uh, the Flash family in and of itself. Um, and then because it's not just, you know... It's not just what is it, Quiz Kid, that's there. It's it's terrific son that was taken. Oh yeah, that's because um, yeah, that's was from time. this was from the end from, of the Flash run because it says seven yeah. nine nine I think was the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so the fact that now you know there's that at play too. Um, I I like that he was keeping that going, just kind of a I remember you know kind of like a reminder. There, yeah. but, but Quiz um, Kid was from the island, right? Yes, Star Girl. Yes, yeah. Quiz Kid was, uh, and there was the other one um, that was taken right before um, his wife died. Something along those lines. There was some weird timey wimey stuff at play in that last flash. Um, but I really love the Justice Society stuff here, just because it's been a while since we've had the classic JSA. Um, so just to see all of these characters interacting was a lot of fun, and I think Adams has a knack. Uh, for these characters too, um, just like seeing the stuff like with uh, the the quicksand, um, and and the original Adam, you know, uh, dealing with all of that was a lot of fun. Um, but then the the one scene that really stuck out to me is in present day when Judy and Jay are arguing, and you know, she's like, "You can't just check in on me anytime you want. Like, I'm still, you know, I still have, 
you know, my own, um, I can take care of myself and all that stuff. And it, and it cuts over to Mr. Terrific and, and Stargirl. And she's like, yeah, you know, they're talking to each other at super speed. It sounds like squirrels on a sugar high. And then you just see them and what, you know, would be a blur. I thought that was a whole lot of fun. Just, you know, not quite world building, but just, uh, you know, what life would be like interacting with these people. Um, so I like that Adams takes beats to do stuff like that. It really makes the relationships um, feel more natural. So, but yeah. yeah, this guy, Professor Hughes, I, I looked up and it looks like it's a, it's one of those type of retcons where it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, Jay got his powers in college, you know, in a lab where he inhaled, you know, these vapors that, uh, you know, that unlocked his metagene or whatever. I don't think Professor Hughes was ever actually mentioned. So I feel like this is like an oh, open, sure. like, a, like a new old character, which I always prefer rather than like, oh, this character was there the whole time and you, didn't, you guys didn't know he was actually evil, you know. Um, but yeah, so what were you going to say? Oh, yeah, no, it just uh, makes sense that there was a professor there if he was in college. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that there was yeah. a professor involved in some capacity. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I think it's good as well that it has like this consistent supporting cast where Stargirl and Mr. Terrific are mm-hmm. these like constant kind of mainstays in the cast. I think that helps flesh mm-hmm. it out a little bit. Um, def- definitely curious to see where this whole Judy's traveling back in time to fight Dr. Elemental. Yeah. Uh, that does feel like to me we're going to build up to that in present day where she starts doing that for a, a reason uh, mm-hmm. but we'll see because right now I don't know why she does it but maybe yeah. that, that becomes the plan is for her to go back in time and, and try and yeah. beat him each time that he tries to do something I don't know but because uh, mm-hmm. this is the first one that's had that element added to it where because we've seen yeah. flashbacks before where they're fighting Dr. Elemental but this is the first one mm-hmm. where oh all of a sudden Judy's coming back from the, the future to, to, to fight him yeah. So very curious, very curious. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. All right. What are you giving a uh, Jay Garrett the Flash? Um, I'm gonna give this a seven point five. Yeah, I think it's just a straight seven, but it's fun. I'm enjoying the characters and the chemistry. Uh, mm-hmm. Art's pretty solid. So, mm-hmm. uh, Batman Santa Claus Silent Night issue three. Jeff Parker writing with Michelle Bandini and Trevor Hairsign on the art. So, uh, th- this issue splits up into a couple of things. The first chunk of it is the fallout to the T's last time that the... I, I called them angels. Uh, they call them... Yeah. Uh, w- They're harpies. Harpies, thank you. Uh, they call them so, harpies here in this issue. Uh, so, they've been released and they've flown from Scotland down to London, uh, by the sounds of it, which I guess, fair enough. I, I do worry, though, mm-hmm. sometimes that writers are like, oh, that's- they're both the UK. They're right next to each other. They're not really. They're- no, it's quite like, like I don't know what the size of of your island is, but as far as I know, that's pretty f- a big distance, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah, for, like obviously it's nothing compared to some of the distances in the US, but it's just yeah. kind of like, it, I just I worry it's like oh, London's the most famous city in the UK, mm-hmm. so we'll say London, even though it would have made more sense to say I don't know. Like Edinburgh or something, because it's right. actually in the same country. But whatever. Well, sometimes I feel like it's the artists also just want to draw landmarks, uh, right? Yeah, so they can yeah. they, they can find spots but uh, to draw. So you say that, but I'm looking through these pages and I don't see a single landmark. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so this is basically Hot Girl um, fighting these along with Joe, which was an interesting little pull. Yeah. 
Um, and this is in continuity, so I do wonder, like, the status of Joe's Green Lantern hood and the current yeah. Green Lantern oh. ongoings that are happening. And, and her ring is quite different as well, if I remember uh, First Sector right. That's true. So. Yeah, yeah, so, mm -hmm. yeah, very interesting. But they're working together, and then Wonder Woman shows up. Uh, I will say mm -hmm. on the art here, um, this is going to sound like a weird complaint almost, but not having the uh. white trim on the blue uh, warrior skirt or whatever you want to call those parts, yeah, um, felt like it was really missing to like it's almost like it looks naked almost without the white yeah. trim, and it felt weird just having the solid blue. And it's a minor thing really, but it just it, but it's consistent in all the panels she's in, so it's not it's it's definitely mm -hmm. the choice they've made here. It's an yeah, it's an artistic choice. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it felt off. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like just too plain. Like there was something missing, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but yeah, they, they're fighting all the 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 harpies, and it's, it's all kind of in the grey clouds of the UK. Which yeah, that that does seem accurate to be fair. Uh, so she tries to communicate with one by lassoing it <laughs> to find out what's going mm -hmm. on. Um, but yeah, so that's the the first chunk of the issue. Just that's kind of the action half of the issue is, is all that mm -hmm. fight. Um, which the last issue, I mean, issue two kind of did that as well with, uh, remember, Miss Martian and some uh, of the other, mm -hmm. Green Arrow, I think, was there and they were fighting some yep. of the monsters. So mm -hmm. uh, we do cut to Superman, Batman, and uh, Blue Beetle, uh, of yep. all people, who is constantly amazed that they're they're going off to see Santa Claus. Yep. Uh, but they meet an elf. Uh, <laughs> and the elf is like, well, technically we're this, but yes, uh, we've become to known as elves. It so. Yeah, they're called the Holdu folk, which um, I, I'm sure comes from Norse mythology as well, because there's two different kinds of elves. Um, these guys look more like the light elves, um, but it doesn't help that his name's Peppermint John. No, you know, like yeah, buddy, you're an elf, all right? You're you're making the toys, uh, but I, I do love that Parker's constantly just twisting the Santa mythos a little bit here. Um, and, you yes. know, they, he offers them a, you know, they couldn't return to their lands. And so he gave them, you know, uh, essentially a sanctuary. But for a trade, they have to help him make the toys. So, you know, I, I like that that comes into play. It's still not forgetting this is a Santa book. Yeah. And even Superman's kind of starstruck when he meets Santa. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Kent, farm in Smallville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, well, you, you read my letter? Like he's he's in awe. He's in awe. It's it's, uh -huh. it's quite charming because he's super bad. I love it. Just the and this is where the Bandini art picks back up. Um, just the big goofy smile on on Clark's face. I can't yeah. believe you read my letter. And then Blue Beetle's like, "Hey, Ben, back here!" As they're fighting this giant sea serpent. You yeah. Know? Well, that's what Santa was doing when they they, they come through the portal. Yep. Uh, as he was fighting this big urchin. Yeah. Uh, and we actually see Superman is inside it and lifts it up from the inside. So we get this mm -hmm. big visual of this like. You know, it's an urchin, so it's like a big snake almost, just like in the uh -huh. sky, and the sun's beaming behind it. It's all very uh, entertaining, but uh, yeah. So we get uh, again a portal to Krampus, right? Batman, mm -hmm. uh, Batgirl, Blue Beetle, the Elf, and all that. They go to Greenland because that's where Krampus is, mm -hmm. and they go on the hunt. Black Canary blasts them with her voice. Uh, Superman and Core still fighting the sea urchin, uh, but Superman flies out, goes after Krampus, mm -hmm. and tries to get a hold of him. Um, but and and Superman has him in a pretty good like uh, it's not quite a choke, right? But he's he's got him, 
And so, I, you know, I'm watching, I'm like, where, how's Krampus going to get out of this? Was not expecting uh, what happens next. Yeah, Superman gets... Uh... Possessed? Yeah, he's, 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 he's infected. Uh, mm-hmm. He... Yeah, he basically starts working for Krampus uh, while Krampus grabs Damien because he's like, you're an awful little child. You need to be punished. <laughs> which I, which I, think, I did think was quite funny, actually. Uh, yep. It's him kidnapping Damien because he is an awful child. Uh, and taking him to hell. I love it. Yeah. Uh. So... But yeah, there's an army of folklore beings coming uh, to fight Santa. Uh, so, yeah. So possessed Superman's hovering above, and the last page is all these. What would you even call these? Like, uh, well, they look like frost giants and trolls. It looks like Fenrir. Mm. So again, these look all look like uh, Norse mythological. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I was going to get. That is various Norse yeah. uh, sort of. Yeah, not the gods, yeah. but, you know, ver- yeah, various... Yeah, creatures. Yeah, creatures. Yeah, I guess that's the best word. Yeah. Um, uh, but so, yeah, so Superman gets possessed, and they, they say this one has been... This one has been in our realm before. They think they win when they lose. Um, So that that's, that's a tell. And then it seems like it's another... So, like, Krampus is still possessed, right? So it's not like whatever had Krampus jumps into Clark... It says, take the mighty man, I remain in the wild one. Right? So, because I thought at first, because uh, I had to go back and reread this back half, I thought, you know, Krumpus had just like, oh, he, it freed from Superman, and then he just grabbed Damien because that's what he's used to, right? Taking the naughty kids. Um, but no, so I thought that was, um, I, that's part of the clue. So I'm trying to figure out who's, who's, corrupted krampus right yeah uh but it seems like it's it's, it's like it, it's like there's a it's like there's more than one evil entity yeah. and like the second one is possessed superman and the first one's still yeah. possessing krampus mm-hmm. and so so yeah and then that so these are creatures that you know because remember santa came with the wild hunt got left behind these are creatures that he had hunted and had locked you know in this glacier and you know superman cracks it open and that's how they come out yeah um uh so so yeah so we, we have the next one coming out this week curious to see where it goes it's the last um, issue not, not as well one. yeah and so curious to see you know where it goes with the with the folklore and who's behind all of this but it, it seems like now that this is in continuity and that you know santa's a dc character now and if they <laughs> wanted to i would every year a santa special around this time I would, I would definitely read it. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's an interesting little spin on things. Is like, okay, there's a big bad that's actually corrupting Krampus, um, and that same big bad is now corrupting Superman. Is that something they're going to like be pulling from Norse mythology, or is this a DC mm-hmm. thing that's just, you know, is this going to turn out to be a DC villain that's doing this? I don't know. Yeah, the fact that he says this one's been to our realm before tells me something. I don't know what that is though but they're talking about superman so i've been racking my brain i get nothing i mean nothing is coming up yet superman's went to obviously other earths other universes Mm -hmm. um realm sounds less like another earth though and more like Mm -hmm. you know i don't know um like a dimension like an offset you know yeah like like the phantom zone's a realm right like 
But yeah. So yeah. I mean, good good on the mystery for Parker that I haven't been able to piece this together. Um, but I, I'm definitely enjoying it, and the Bandini art especially. I'm not a big fan of that hair sign art. Like, it wasn't just the, the Wonder Woman, you know, skirt, you know, trim and stuff. I guess when, when she's, I know what they were trying with the with the hair being up and around because she's flying in the air. It just, I don't know, the art just kind of looked messy, you know. Uh, it's a little bit too sketchy for my liking, and that works when it's like deceased and we can play on the zombie tropes and, and all of that or even I think Harrison did some Animal Man if I'm not mistaken during Rot World um, again that makes sense but here with the harpies and just everything I don't know just not my taste so when we finally got to the Bandini art I was very happy yeah, I didn't have a problem with the art overall from her sign. I thought it mm-hmm. had you know, had a lot of sense of motion, had a lot of speed lines and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, the atmosphere of it was quite good. It was really just, um, yeah, just just. It felt like Wonder Woman had a slightly different outfit than she's supposed to have, and that just mm-hmm. kind of caught me off guard. But I, I would say I like the hair sign art in here. Like, yeah. I think it like. He definitely has his weak spots occasionally, and I definitely remember that in Deceased, where sometimes he'd do like skinny heads or whatever. But I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't really catching his weaknesses here in this, uh, this, this half of yeah. the issue. But I mean, like again, it just comes down to taste. I yeah, think. I think it is just a taste thing here because I, I don't think you it's know. bad at all. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, what are you giving? Um. The, despite that, I'm still going to give this an eight. Okay. Um. What do I want to give it? Uh, yeah, I'll go eight as well. Well, yeah, I'll go eight yeah. as well. I'll go eight as well. Um, debating it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just checking comments in like a comic geek. So sometimes people put like reviews to see if they have any ideas. There's so far, there's nothing. So yeah, you know, not just us. See, we'll see. Uh, all right, last up this week. Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong issue three. Mm-hmm. Brian Buccioletto writing with Christian Deuce on the art. So last issue ended with Superman getting the 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 worst end of a heat vision atomic breath face off and getting yep. melted. Uh, yeah. but, <laughs> face off his face. <laughs> He's worse for wear. <laughs> Godzilla took his face off. Yes. No. Oh, okay. Oh. Your face off reference. Uh, so, this issue uh, gets to that. Although it doesn't start with that, it starts off with a bunch of Central City stuff with uh, mm-hmm. the Flash coming in. And over Iron Heights, there's a giant spider that has Cthulhu tentacles <laughs> from its mouth. So that's fun. Because why not? Yeah. yeah, why not? So he's dancing around all the villains, and I was thinking maybe the villains are going to help him, but nah, that does mm-hmm. not happen. Supergirl mm-hmm. shows up though and helps sort of take away some of the toxic atmosphere that the spider's creating. Uh, yeah. Hal shows up as well, so we got a Green Lantern there, and they're all dealing with stuff. But Supergirl though hears that, or she she doesn't hear more more accurately. Mm-hmm. Uh, she can't hear Clark's heart. She's like, I can usually hear Superman's heartbeat anywhere in the world but i don't hear it i have to go so she kind of just ditches them even though they kind of need their help um and we see the aftermath of godzilla roaring in the middle of the street as billy batson is trying to wake up a knocked out superman Mm -hmm. um to the point where they think he's dead like people are saying oh like superman's died yeah uh and then we got this big cameo out of nowhere where you see this tease of a foot getting bigger in the street And then you realize in the next page it's Atom Smasher who's grown as tall as Godzilla and try to fight him. 
Uh, and this is definitely out of continuity because Atom Smasher gets killed. Godzilla bites him in the neck and just oh. ends him. Is he? Is he? Oh, yes, it does. It killed them. Shoot. Oh, oh. At the very least, Belly thinks he's dead. I mean, maybe he'll turn yeah, out to be wrong. Yeah, yeah, he's but... hurt. Like, he's no no doubt about it. But look, um, I, I was expecting more of a Power Ranger fight here. I loved, <laughs> I loved this. Like, he goes, Adam Smasher goes for the, the single leg, you know, like uh, he's an actual wrestler on Godzilla, which, yeah, good on you, man, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it definitely gets dark. Yeah, that, was, that's it, for sure. It was some poor choices, and then Billy's like, "Look, get Superman's body out of here. I'll hold off Godzilla." And he he yep. shouts Shazam, and the lightning bolt goes through Godzilla's chest, which is a pretty mm-hmm. badass moment. Uh, yep. And when he flies up to punch him, though, give him an uppercut. Supergirl has arrived, and it ends up being a double punch. So that's a really nice because yep. you don't, you don't know she's coming in the previous page. It's just yeah. the, there's like so it's a full page spread of them punching Godzilla, but there's a sort of mm-hmm. there's a a thin panel on the left to sort of give you a close yeah. up of the fists first, and that's where you first see her. You see her fists come in on that panel. So it's a really mm-hmm. it's, it's, the the pacing is quite nice here. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, and yeah. then you, you get a two page layout, so there's a nice big horizontal panel of Godzilla landing in a building. So it's, they've basically knocked him out for a little bit, but they know he's going to get back mm-hmm. up. It's not permanent, yeah. but it's like okay. This gives us time to deal with Superman. So Kara says, get him to the fortress. So Hot Girl's flying him to the fortress as Supergirl goes off to fly and maybe help someone else. Uh, so he goes back to Iron Heights, we find out eventually. But um, uh-huh. yeah, so yeah, the Hal and Barry are doing their best to try and fight this spider thing uh, to the point where uh, some of the rogues even kind of seem, seem to start helping. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Legion of Doom are here to try and get the other villains to get their ranks built up as they're also looking for Toy Man because he started all this shit. So they're mad at him. Um, so that stuff's fun. Uh, we also see a little bit more of uh, Themyscira with the big mammoth and uh, Donna and Wonder Woman have this insane plan to use both their lassos to try and like communicate with the big beast. Uh, but it's kind of cut short because something calls the beast away, like he's hearing a, a signal. So he, he goes mm-hmm. off into the distance, uh, and that becomes something that we, we kind of become aware of by the end. Uh, go back to Iron Heights, Superman, or sorry, Supergirl shows up and helps fight the big spider, Flash is doing his tornado mm-hmm. arms, and all the rest of it. Uh, and then we jump back to Skull Island, because if you remember, Oliver <laughs> landed there yeah. last time, so... Uh, we get a little bit of King Kong fighting a random monster and uh, mm-hmm. King Kong looking down at him. Uh, my favorite part of this, though, is that Supergirl also comes here. She flies to, to Skull Island. It's a very Supergirl-heavy issue, which is kind of cool. Uh, yeah. she, she comes to Skull Island. Kong sees her, and he sort of slows down, and he sort of puts his hand up to her, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he likes blondes. He's probably trying yeah. to take Supergirl as his next, uh, his next uh-huh. uh, girl. And Supergirl's like, F that, and punches him in the face, which made me laugh out loud. I'm not going to lie. I wanted her to yell manners. I really wanted her to. Uh, um, I just love the idea that she actually hurts him, though, because he's holding his nose after, like, what the hell? Well, then he, then he has, like, a fit, right? He starts beating his chest and yelling and, yeah. you know, yeah. So, uh, I need more Kong, though. This, this is a fun series, but it's been short on Kong, and he's in the title, so... You know, give, give me more, please. This had the right amount. Uh, so, no. 
uh, we go to Gotham, which is the one the one mm-hmm. team that's managed to take down their monster because uh, uh-huh. you know because Batman. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. they've taken down their big bat monster, and they're talking about what to do. And Shazam shows up and is like, "Superman's dead." And I actually kind of love the reaction here. I think the art gets a little wonky. Um, yeah. But I did love the reaction here from Batman where he's like, nope, we're not telling Lois. No one's pronouncing him dead until I've checked the goddamn body, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm going to do that properly. So yep. I thought that was uh, that was cool. Uh, anyway, there was a lot of jumping around here. Like, the first half was quite focused, and then it was jumping yep. around the locations quite a bit, which is not a complaint. It all flowed well enough in the in the reading. Um, mm-hmm. But the end of the issue is that the, the signal that's drawing all the monsters somewhere in the south... Uh, it's in the Chihuahuan Desert in Mexico. Uh, it was, oh, it was Mexico. Um, yep. It's Lex. He's turned on some giant beacon thing that's attracting mm-hmm. them all here. It so, looks like a gigantic Hal from 2001. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine what Lex has got concocted in here, what his plan is. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got something going. Uh, but For ver- sure. Very interesting. Um. Yeah, I mean, this continues to be a lot of fun. I, I think them really selling the idea that Superman's almost... It's almost like when Superman fought Doomsday. That's what fighting Godzilla was mm-hmm. like. It's, it's really put him out. And yep. they're they're all worried about him. That that gives it some weight. Um, I like Supergirl getting a bit of a spotlight and going around and like mm-hmm. helping solve various uh, crises at once. Uh, really nice. Uh, I always love a good bit of Hal and Barry uh, bantering, so them working together mm-hmm. is also good fun. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to have a good time with this. Um, favorite moment was probably Kong trying to grab Supergirl because he's like, ooh, blonde, yeah. and her just punching him, and it hurt him. And... I, I, I know you probably haven't watched WWE in a long time, but uh-huh. from the highlights from uh, was when they put Otis and Mandy Rose together, and he would just yell, pretty lady. That, that was the same vibe that I had of Kong looking at, at, at Kara. So, mm. you know, that gave me quite quite the laugh. But yeah, um, didn't even factor into the whole Kong blonde thing uh, until right now, you know, because we had Ollie there, right? He's, he's not going to go, Ollie's a blonde, but not, you know, not like Kara is. So. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, there's a running trend in all the Kong movies. He seems to mm-hmm. have a type, as <laughs> we'll yes. just say. A big type, you know, uh, Naomi Watts, you know, Faye Ray, uh, was it Jessica Lang? Uh, Brie Larson. Yeah, definitely a type. Mm. Well, I, mean, I wouldn't say Brie Larson uh, gets the, the, the same treatment. Like that, They don't really go down that plot avenue in that movie. No, but she was blonde and I just was going to reach for it. You know? All right. It's, it's, it's a reach, but I'll, I'll, mm. I'll, I'll give you it. So um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the hell Behemoth is. Is it a mammoth? Is it a sloth with tusks? Like, what is this thing? Because it doesn't have it doesn't have the nose. You know, it's a titan. It's a made-up monster. It could be whatever it wants. Yes, I know this, but still, like, what, like, because the titans even they they have a general vibe to them, right? Like, Mothra's a giant moth. Rodan's a pterodactyl, right? Like, what what is he? Now I'm gonna have to go back and watch King of the Monsters, but I know we don't really get a good view of Behemoth, right? Uh, no, he's not a big prominent part of it now. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know what's really bugging me is there was a panel mm-hmm. in one of the comics this week that I wanted to point out for having a horrible face. 
and I can't remember. Uh-oh. I can't remember which one it is now. But I remember. I remember thinking when I was thinking of this when I was reading them that it was mm-hmm. a book with otherwise pretty solid art. It wasn't like it was bad art throughout. It yeah. was just one. Pa- yeah. fa- it was one reaction panel of a character looking shocked that looked really really bad, mm-hmm. and, I, I, and it's bugging me now that I've I've not noticed it when we've been talking about them and looking through them because I wanted oh, to bring nice. it up. So it wasn't in this issue though because I checked. I thought maybe it was this one and it wasn't. So right. But I I I, I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, oh well uh yeah so good fun time I, i'm still having a blast reading this it's a, it's been a good month or two for godzilla as a as a overall thing and uh mm-hmm. I, I love the weight that they've given him and how difficult the heroes are finding fighting him obviously once he goes up against batman it's more of an even match so we'll see how that plays <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh i do like that shazam and, and kara though are able to knock down godzilla because it does make him seem like less of a force of nature, you know? But it also shows that Superman trying to reason with him was the weakness. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it doesn't make him a force. Reason. I wouldn't say it doesn't make him a force of nature. I would say that, okay, mm-hmm. Superman on his own couldn't stand a chance, but two Superman-powered yeah. people punching at the same time right. at least gets him down. Not for long, admittedly, but it does at least right. put him down. So it, it gives us a bit of a, a barometer for, okay... If two two people with that power level can knock him down, then if we get a whole team of people, then what can we accomplish then? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll see. I just hope this doesn't try to do the Kong's the good one that will be on the hero side nonsense. We don't need that. No, because I feel like this is building to whatever Lex is unleashing. Mm. Right. Is I feel you know I feel like this is going the Mecha Godzilla kind of route. You know. Um, so they're gonna have oh, to team up. Maybe Lex spells Mecha Godzilla. I mean, seems yeah. like a very Lex thing to do. Yeah, but it's gotta have a big bald head, right? <laughs> it's just Mecha Godzilla with a big bald head. I think that'd be real funny. Well, it's not like Mecha Godzilla usually has hair. No, but he has the fin on the top, right? Like he has the ridge thing. Oh, I, mean, I suppose. I mean, yeah. I mean. <laughs> It's not much of a difference. I feel like you're yeah. you're describing Big Mecha Lex rather than Big Mecha Godzilla. <laughs> I mean, why not Mecha Lex? Plus, that sounds that sounds like you know Godzilla versus Mecha Lex sounds like an actual movie, right? <laughs> versus Mecha Lex. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't know if they're going to pull the whole thing where Godzilla and Kong are technically on the good side by the yeah. end because of whatever Lex is unleashed, but it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if they do that. Um, yeah. But I'm not sure how we get there from here quite yet. But that's fine. Neither. We're, we're only three yeah. issues in. Uh, and this is, uh, I think, seven issues. Uh, so we'll, I believe so. So we'll, 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 see, we'll see how it pads out. Um, yeah. yeah. Like I say, like, I think the art here or there is a little wonky on some faces. Like that, that Batman... Mm-hmm. As much as I like the moment from what what the moment is and what the dialogue is, I think Batman looks a bit weird as he says he's not dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a weird shading thing going on, um, where he's he, he looks. I don't know. He's got kind of a like the new Trilize 4K remaster that's been overly AI'd and DNR'd and looks unnatural <laughs> and fake. Uh, it kind of looks a little bit like that, but in comic art form. <laughs> very very hyper specific. Uh, well, it's disappointing. I've been waiting 20 years for a decent yeah. transfer on True yeah, Lies and they've butchered it with technology, the that's, bastards. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. At least the Abyss turned out all right, though. Yeah. Because I've also been waiting for that for 20-plus years at this point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
that is Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. It's uh, it's solid, good fun. What are you rate in issue three? Um, I'll go with seven point five. Uh, yeah, I can agree with that. I think seven point five sounds good. All right, what are you? What am I doing? I'm trying to actually erase something again. Uh, that's yeah, the end yeah. of the show. It's been a long episode, yeah. guys. Uh, Pete's hungry. I can tell. Uh, yeah, I can yeah. Tell he starts to get a little bit loopy. I'm, he starts to go a lot quicker. I'm deteriorating. Some of these books. Yeah, I'm deteriorating you towards know, the end of the show. He stops making sense. Starts sounding like me, and that's always trouble. <laughs> Can't have two mats. I know. I know. I'm supposed to steal the ship, and I'm yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, can't have both of us trying to steer. That's how you go in circles. <laughs> All right, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff for the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and of course, top five books. What was your panel slash moment, Matt? Oh man, I really just because it, it kind of rubbed you the wrong way. I I kind of love uh, Train Robber Superman. That's <laughs> that's that's so fun and dumb. Um. But my moment's going to be from Green Lantern War Journal, and it's going to be the uh, when uh, he tells Varen, you know, you, you might have been a killer, but you're not a fighter. Uh, you're definitely no Green Lantern. That, that stood out for me. Yeah, I don't know what my uh, moment is. I mean, I, I like the Kong Supergirl moment. That's kind of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the backstory in the Nightwing book. Um that said, though, I mean, it probably has to be probably some from Wonder Woman, if, if, I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm to narrow it down. I, I think, <sighs> yeah, pro- probably when the kid asks, like, is there something wrong with me? Am I sick in the mm-hmm. inside because I, I like you and not Batman or Superman? And then Wonder Woman's reaction to it. Uh, yeah, I'm going for a touching moment. I'm not going for a silly moment. This yeah. is not a silly moment week. Yeah. This is a, a important, poignant moment yeah. week. So... I'll go with that. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, cover of the week, and I read all the books this week, so I had no time to look while you were talking. Yeah, so I, as as we would talk about them, I would click on them on the Comic Geeks to look. Oh, very smart. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the main Wonder Woman cover. That's got the graffiti on her. It says, you know, traitor. Um, that that's super solid, and some of the variants on here too. There's a Bruno Redondo, but it looks like a, like a Greek mosaic. Um, so oh, that's yeah. pretty clever. I can see that. that yeah. one, I like that one. Um, and then what else? Uh, Nightwing always has good covers, especially these like minimalistic ones, where it's got him diving. The main cover has him diving into the water, uh, and then it's he's cutting through, and it makes the Nightwing logo. Um, yeah, it's very smart. It's very good. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, um... I just, it's clicking on some of these variants. It takes a little bit of time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree for the most part of the ones that you've uh, you've said. Um, yeah, there, there's a... That's kind of a fun uh, couple of covers for the for the Santa book, you know? Mm-hmm. Superman mm-hmm. versus Krampus. Uh, I would say... Superman has a variant that is the Action Comics 1 cover. Mm-hmm. But it's Santa and the sleigh, and instead of the guy that's freaking out, it's an elf. Oh, that's very that, good. And that made that made me laugh a lot. Yeah, I will say there's a variant for Santa Claus, which or Silent Night, I should say, uh, uh-huh. which has got Black Canary on it, and like they've made Black Canary look like a 
like a like an anime girl from like you know the the <sighs> the, the weebs would love. <laughs> like it's really distressing, like how sort of like like fourteen year old she looks, but it's you know whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, ooh, that's like, rough. It's always funny. It's, it's not that overly sexualized because it's not it's not got like a super like you know. She's no, not. She's not bending over or doing anything like that. It's just. The, it's just the face. It's very much appealing yeah. to a, a very particular demographic, and I'm uncomfortable looking at it. For sure. Anywho, what's my pick? Uh, right, it's none of those. None of those. Um, I would just. Oh, I might just look at the Godzilla covers cause just in case there's one in here that's uh mm-hmm. worth doing. Uh, there's a cover. It's the the the, the John Boy Myers variant where it's Superman standing at the mm-hmm. bottom and Godzilla's overlooking them that's not bad that was was top three that's not uh, bad uh that said though uh actually just before i get to my pick there's a variant by gerald perel for world's finest and Uh i'm only bringing it up it's an all right variant but i'm bringing it up because superman on the cover looks like uh stephen lang from avatar he looks like quaritch let's see oh he does who we? It looks like he's getting the, the turkey baster out. Yeah, but I say don't don't break into his house. <laughs> no, I think my pick's probably the regular Wonder Woman cover. If I'm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so as we've been through them all, I can I can give mine now. And I didn't mention it because I don't want you to steal it. Not that it matters. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But Bruno Rodano has a variant for Superman. I saw uh, it. I saw it, it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's Superman holding up the Daily Planet uh, globe. While giving a teddy bear back to a child, uh, and it's just—it's very classic Superman, uh, and and yeah, so that one's mine. Yeah, actually, I just want to point out there's a variant from Jamal Campbell, I think it is, for Nightwing, and it's like a pirate mm-hmm. Nightwing with what yeah. he's with what he's wearing in the comic with the shirt and that. Yep. But he's with who I can only assume is meant to be Babs, but and it's a it's, it's a nice piece of art, but like she's yeah. the hair's done in such an old fashioned way that it doesn't even look like Babs anymore. It just like yeah. you can tell it's hard because there's a bit of purple, a bit of yellow and black in the outfit, but it's mm. I don't know. It's like it's just it, it's meant to be one of those Fabio romance yeah. novel covers. But the, they've went yeah. so far with the hair that it doesn't even look like Babs anymore, and I just wanted to yeah. point that out. Anyway, I'm clicking on it to look. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It just looks like a random blonde at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywho, uh, best art of the week, Matt. All right. So, I mean, Dan Moore for World's Finest is always in there. Um, also, Redondo for Superman is good. Yeah, but uh, it's going to be Sam Pierre, isn't it? Sam Pierre. Yep, from Wonder Woman. That, that's where we're at. It's Also, Zermanico for Green Lantern. Always... Oh, he's in the running as well. This week is brutal for that picking paper. That was not Zermanico. That was Mantos. That but... was not Zermanico. Well, look at that. I look stupid. I enjoyed <laughs> the art nonetheless. <laughs> no, the art was good. Uh, you yeah. know. It, it, it was looked... Mantos, not Zermanico. Zermanico does Green Lantern. See? He does the main I'm... book. Yeah, he does the, the Halloween. Mantos. Mantos is who I meant to say as well. Um, uh-huh. Yes. You're mixing them up because they, that... they, they both have the one name gimmick. So you're yep. mixing them up. Yeah, okay. I, yes, I see what you said. 100%. Uh, yeah, it's Sempier for me. Obviously, there was some other good artists this week for sure, but uh, the Sempier yep. stuff just stuck out the the, the most to me. Mm-hmm. So, very good. All right, top five books, Matt. On you go. All right, so uh, number one is going to be Green Lantern. Two, or Green Lantern War Journal. Two is Wonder Woman. Uh, three is Superman. Four, Nightwing. 
and five. I'm trying to remember my all my ratings. Five uh, world's finest. All right, my number one is Wonder Woman. My number two is Green Lantern War Journal. My number three is Batman Offworld, I think. Uh, mm. Number four is probably uh, World's Finest. And then number five, eh, there's, there's a bunch of things I could pick for this. I will probably go with Silent Night. But honestly, number the number five. But I I had a bunch of stuff rated a seven and a seven point five. Like any of those could have slotted in there at the end. Yeah. Uh, for that last slot. But yeah. All right. Well, there you go. That's the books. I will tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. And no, they are not taking a quiet week because it's uh the week between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> They're just pumping out everything anyway. So coming next week, we got Detective Comics one thousand eighty uh, Action Comics Annual uh twenty twenty three. So that's going to be the mm-hmm. finale to the, the Johnson run. Uh, we have Titans issue 6, Green Arrow issue 7, The Flash issue 4, Just Society of America issue 8, Harley Quinn 35, Batman the Brave and the Bold issue 8, Titans Beast World issue 3, The Penguin issue 5, Alan Scott Green Lantern issue 3, Power Girl issue 4, Batman Santa Claus Silent Night issue 4, Batman Beyond Neil Gothic issue 6, Cyborg issue 6, Amazon's Attack issue 3, and the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country of the Glass House. So, yeah, still, still a lot of meaty stuff in there, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for tech. I'm really excited for that one. And the Action Comics. Although the Action Comics annual is bittersweet, because that's the last Johnson story. Yeah, I think I've got ten books again, the bastards. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Well, I'll just waiting on that counting now, apparently. Ten. I have eleven because, and that's not that's not counting Alan Scott. Yeah, so, I, th- I, th- I, mean, yeah I think I'm letting that one go. We'll see. Yeah, I mean the Spectre's on the cover though. <laughs> oh, man, I love the Spectre. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we also have a Tom King book, um, in uh, in the Penguin. So that, that that'll make for a meaty conversation as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it usually does. And I and I have Green Arrow because I hate myself. Oh, um, that's the extra one not, you've got. It, okay. It's it's not that bad, but it's also not that good. Um, hey, it's so a New York. You're starting off shoot. in New York. Maybe you'll yeah. get something nice from it. I, don't I think know. Sean Isaacs is the sole artist. I'm gonna look. Let's see. Uh, no, it's Carmen D. Domenico. G. Domenico. I can't say it right now. And Trevor Harrison. Oh, great. Yeah. I have to say, it wasn't my taste, and now I get more. I love it. Yeah, well, there you go. That is the show. It's been a busy few days, so reading all the books and stuff and fitting this recording mm-hmm. in have been especially hectic this week. But, hey, what's to, yep. what's to expect right before Christmas, I suppose? So thank yep. you very much for joining us. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash TV and get some bonuses, particularly a little bit early access if you want. And you can help me keep the show coming by doing that. And you can also help us for free by liking the show on YouTube or rating the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Helps us out a bunch. Uh, get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. But that is us, so thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Speed Force.